This week on Out Now with Aaron Abe, we are talking Babylon. Lights, camera, elephant. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, Aaron. How are you? You know what? I, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Minutes ago, I was <laughs> soaring through the air. Uh, getting racing, racing back here. Wow! Just in time for this, but in, in real life, it's like it's. I've been here for like an hour now, and I'm completely comfortable. But you are the, Hal from Hal's Moving Castle. You turned into a giant bird and flew here. That's what happened. Yeah. It oh was, wow! I, I discovered this ability. That's that's what went down. Um, but yeah, to to make it home from my my holiday vacation, I, I soared down eventually after varying forms of difficulty, and so I've made it here for this. Welcome back yeah. to uh, Southern California. And all in all, actually, things went really well, and I had a nice time with my family, and now I'm happy to be here to, back and doing the podcast. There you go. Uh, Abe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I also caught something during the holidays, so if my voice sounds a, a little bit off. Yes, yeah. Her name is Wanda. Um, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I caught something. I think I'm on the mend now, but you know there might be a little bit of uh, some, some weird-sounding Abe right now, but that's okay. I, I, I'm just glad you're on the mend. Yes, thank you. Yeah, this is the first time I've been sick since like COVID started, which is very weird. It's not COVID, knock on wood. Thank you for that, but definitely just like a weird throat thing. So yeah. All right. Also, all the medicines really scarce right now. Can't really find any uh, CVS Nyquil either. It's very strange. But you're just uh, chewing on children's Tylenol, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Thirty years vitamins. old, though. Yeah, exactly. They're very old. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm doing well. Uh, hope those, thankfully, no fever. It was just more of like a weird throat thing, but um, I'm on the mend. Glad to have this mid check in during like the intro paragraph of this podcast, and really also just... like at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Out now is a film podcast where we discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be most important for your review. The occasional commentary track or th- some other fun movie topic. There's episode five hundred and eighteen five one eight. Wow! I mean, congratulations to us. Yeah, this is our this is technically our last episode of the year. So we, yes. we did it. Calendar year 2022. That's right. Um, yeah. And this week, speaking of the end of things, we're talking Babylon, <laughs> <laughs> the latest film from director Damien Chazelle. Uh, you, when, you, when you really pronounce the B's in Babylon, it sounds so harsh. Babylon. It just really just makes it sound apocalyptic. Uh, but that is the movie we'll be talking this week. And joining us uh, to discuss Babylon, we have from Lenoir Artur. He is the man. Who has ridden elephants? Maybe I don't know. It's Terrence Johnson. Uh, I actually have ridden an elephant. Well, so have I. High five. <laughs> yeah, at a what used to be called Marine World, but is now Six Flags it's Discovery something. Oh, in Discovery Vallejo. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. It used they to had be elephants a... there. Yeah, it used to be Marine World. It used to be a big zoo. Wow. And then Six Flags bought them, and then they added roller coasters, and it was a zoo. And I don't know if there are any animals there anymore. <laughs> They've all passed by it all the time. I mean, whenever uh, I go visit my buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Terrence, how are you doing? How is how's how's your holiday season been? Um, it's been pretty chill. We had a very Los Angeles Christmas. Oh, okay. It was eighty-three degrees. That's way too warm. <laughs> it was very strange. My dad came down and he was like standing outside for like five minutes just in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you you came down at the right time. Yeah, and it he... has been chilly in the bay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been good. 
been trying to catch up on some movies, some TV shows, um, doing all of the things. Awesome. Well, good. It's good to do all of the things. I'm glad that you also didn't get stranded anywhere. No, I haven't flown. I haven't done sort of like a holiday away from wherever I was living in a long time. And Mm -hmm. even part of me is like, oh, I'd love to do go visit my family. And then I'm looking at the chaos and calamity. And I'm like, okay, if I do that, (laughs) if I do that, I just plan for like a week long trip, like not just day before day after. (laughs) Like, I just got to go for like a week and a half or something. (laughs) Well, given the delays I had, it was a good thing I had like enough stuff with me to like mix things up so i'm not wearing like the same pants yeah <laughs> <over again. laughs> but i know glad glad everything's yeah. going well enough for you and i hope all the listeners had a happy holidays had a merry christmas a happy hanukkah a blessed kwanzaa a, a great whatever else um there is because there's so many things mm-hmm. um but most importantly i hope everybody's safe and happy to put their headphones on and be like what are our Aaron and Abe up to what are they doing <laughs> exactly. what are they talking about this week? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah let's let's get to some show notes here uh first up we do have a commentary track for uh avatar it's our latest commentary the first film um which uh, of course preceded the new film avatar the way of water which has just recently crossed 1.1 billion dollars around the world so good good for james cameron yeah he, uh, he uh, gets to uh give everybody their bonus that they've been expecting i assume <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been waiting on pins and needles for that one i guess right? yeah sure <laughs> um uh, what else it is the end of the year which of course means we are very close to our big top 10 episode that's always a lot of fun we of course like to get guests on that show as well as have a lot of uh fun uh you know cameo spots for everybody else to read out their top 10s and what have you so Stay tuned. Probably not our next episode. Probably we need we, Abe needs to have time to make sure he collects everything. Yeah. He, he, is that, uh, get, get I was just going to say, when is that going to happen? I need you to postpone till mid-January. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would like this extension too, Aaron. I also put in a, a second Terrence's request. Yeah, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about it, of <laughs> no, course. But, we'll it's, but it's, it never, it's never right at the end of the year. So, you know, yeah. we'll, we certainly yes. have time to, to get the... Everybody, got, you know, gather what they need as we get to what a, what is a very fun episode. One of our, you know, what I what I would assume is one of our top five episodes of the year all the time, as far as because ooh. you guys have sense, you want to let the movie year end and really think about and put thought into exactly. You know, well, the, the fun it's thing like is, it's like making a roast. You have to let it rest after the, you fun, the, <laughs> the fun thing is, you know, I like I'm a critic. I get right, so I get like screeners and things like that. But Abe, Abe is a super critic, and he like he waits <laughs> he waits for them to to literally come to his doorstep and beg them to watch the movies. That's that's what he does. <laughs> so so that's why it takes a little bit longer. I sound he, so masochistic. He could watch them, but he's waiting for like United Artists to be like. Take women talking from us and watch it, please. Just uh, we need it. We need you to That's assess right. this movie. I'm waiting for Rudy Mar to come to my house and be like, please watch this movie that I made. <laughs> <laughs> he he's waiting for that that first class flight ticket to go to Europe to watch. It's all quiet on all quiet on the Western Front. He just he, he needs the real experience. So, <laughs> Terrence, I think I think you tweeted about that recently. I did. I don't know, we'll probably get to that. I don't know. Quickies. Trademark. 
Um, but yeah, top 10 episode on the way, so stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy this episode and all the other episodes by going to iTunes and searching for our show out now there in Abe, and you'd be like, yeah, there are a lot of episodes I can enjoy. Also, <laughs> you can click that rating and review tab, give us some five stars if you want to, or whatever stars, be fine, it'd be great. And maybe a little written review, that'd be that'd be wonderful. Pop us up in the old iTunes charts. Thank you so much in advance. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh let's move into some let's move into those out now quickies. Trademark. Each week that one we quickies. It was trademarked. Okay. Have we have we actually trademarked it after eleven years? You know, <laughs> I went to the patent office. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which J- J- told, patent. And they and they told me this is not where you belong. <laughs> and so <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not some invention. You are simply trying to trademark something. This is something you're going to take care of anywhere else but our office. Please leave, sir, and close the door behind you. Uh, and so after that, I was very discouraged, and I have not trademarked it yet. Why have we not been sponsored by uh, Legal Zoom yet? That, yeah, that's what we need. We need to go. We should go to Legal Zoom. <laughs> what if we did that? What if we actually did? Like, I'm serious right now. What if after this podcast, you and we we go online to legalzoom.com and we oh trademark the term out now quickies. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if like uh, one day like uh Ryan Ryan uh Johnson needs to use it for a movie. We're like, no, you can't use it. I, I like that we could then put it on like shirts and it would have to have a little TM. Have to have the TM. Yeah. <laughs> We're official now. Yeah. <laughs> we could just do that anyway. Nobody would know. It could say out there quickies on the front, TM, and then on the back, it'd be like a lot of squiggle lines because that's me saying it. That's you actually saying it? Yeah. <laughs> this is a golden idea. Man. This, this is, is really yeah. brilliant. We, this I'm is saving, a free podcast. I'm saving this exact clip so I can remind myself. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so what are we doing out there quickies? This. Terrence, I want to hear from you. What have you seen recently? What do you want to talk about? Um. So there's two movies. Uh, Over the holidays when my father was in town, um, we watched Sydney, the documentary about Sydney mm-hmm. Poitier mm-hmm. on Apple TV. Um, as I was texting Aaron, I had to pick a movie that both of us would want to watch, but that would not result in a lecture. <laughs> um, because anything black is going to start us off on a history path. Um, and I didn't really want that. <laughs> so we watched Sydney. Um. Sydney Poitier, who I share a birthday with. Um, oh, wow. And it was a good doc. Uh, it was interesting to sort of learn a lot about his backstory. It is structured strangely. Hmm. I think, like, I think it spends a lot of time, like a significant chunk of time in his like peak movie stardom, which I guess makes sense. But then, like, it gets his story gets really interesting as his stardom starts to wane. They spend a minute on like the night he got the honorary Oscar, the same night that Denzel and Halle Berry won. Uh-huh. And like, to me, that's like a five to 10 minute section. I, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, cause I, I'm lesser on this than you because like, yeah. I, like Sidney Poitier is great. And I've talked about this in the episode where I talked about this yeah, when I did like wikis, but I I do think thank you. I do think there's so much to explore with and I get that it's a documentary and it's produced by Oprah mm-hmm. and it has to be like appealing in certain ways but I just like I just wanted a little bit deeper. That's what yeah, I Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by like the structure. It's not it's not that it's like it they're just points where you're like I like what you're talking about like a deeper dive. Like I I just mentioned that Oscar thing cuz it's like that is like a defining moment 
in film history. Yeah. Like a moment in our lives. <laughs> I remember getting the newspaper the next day with like Halle Berry and Denzel on the cover and also Sydney being met. like it, it's it's such a monumental thing. It just it just was weird. So it's it's still very good. It's very entertaining. Um, but yeah, I just there was stuff that I wanted a little bit more of a little deeper dive into. And we sort of just moved along. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh. Yesterday. Um, at loud? a screening. Is it loud? You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, is that like an insight? Am I missing? No, it's just like, What's you know, the, movie the title called? of the what movie is called All Quiet on the Western oh, Front. Oh, I, I thought like, you were talking. Yeah. He's doing grade, yard, or grade school humor. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was loud because I saw it at a screening <laughs> in a screening room. But what was really interesting about before I get into talk about how amazing I thought the movie was, mm -hmm. the movie started like in like a 16 by nine frame letterbox. Oh. So it's a widescreen movie. Yeah. Um, and then like five minutes in, the curtains open and they stretched it out to actually fill the whole screen. So it was kind of like once the war really <laughs> got going mm -hmm. it was like they were immersing us in the movie okay yeah. so uh, this is by design that they do a yeah. aspect ratio change for but it wasn't an aspect ratio change it was literally just stretching like filling in the screen right oh, so it's like okay it was still it had it just had the, it fit into the 16 by 9 space because of the letterboxing but you know how in theaters we used to like the curtains used to come up or come down or come to the side yeah mm -hmm. to just block off that letterboxing this time instead they just like sort of magnify the screen and, and stretch it a bit so that was pretty cool the projector cut out twice <laughs> jeez on purpose Dur no <laughs> okay well, like, wow, it's really immersive this is one of our experience. william castle was, gimmicks no i was, it like, was wow, like the bomb blew up and then like the video <laughs> stopped <laughs> i had to text aaron because i was like so here we are, and the movie is paused. <laughs> um, but no, All Quiet on the Western Front is spectacular. Okay. Um, Long movie. One of the greatest war movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, the technical, hours, by the way. Okay. The technical aspect. This is the 2022 version, I should say. Um, yeah. The technical aspects of this movie were just incredible. Um, and I'm genuinely surprised now that it did not make a certain organization's list, but that's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> because I will not be shocked if this movie somehow found a way into picture and director at the Oscars. Wow. Okay. Like it's, it's making all the short lists. Those foreign branches, they know if they're, they, they're you going, know, they go for it. And the director's branch you know they they love a foreign director mm -hmm. um but yeah it just was a really really well done i haven't seen the the 1931 uh yet um but this one was really well done and i thought really sort of it like it is really immersive yeah in terms of not just being on the battlefield but in like juxtaposing that with like the generals and the people trying to broker the armistice, um, which I believe that armistice stuff is not in the book. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay, so they extended. So something that they brought, yeah. I just, it just, it just was astounding. It's, it's really good. Um, 
so good that I didn't even mind the projector cutting out two times. Forget <laughs> 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 my ignorance. Is this is this a this is not a U.S. film? It's a German film. German. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's currently on Netflix. It's yes. currently on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I want I wanted to see it on a big screen, and I'm glad that I did. It would have played in in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I I appreciate it a lot more because I saw it on the big screen. Nice. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, vote for vote for the in theater experiences. Yeah, yeah, we're fans of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Abe, what have you watching? Uh, a couple of things. One of them, uh, Glass Onion, uh, which I think you you Brandon friend of the show Brandon Peter chatted about. Uh, mm-hmm. Just watched it over the holidays here, or actually I watched it before, but then I rewatched it over the holidays. Uh, same opinion as before, pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure I, we might have a special spoiler episode. I'm not sure yet. Um, and then uh, the Murderville Christmas. Oh my God. I watched episode, that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which uh, in the trailer, it tells you uh, two people that are going to be on the show. And and then, you know, the show gets uh, crazy and wonky. Pretty, pretty good episode. It, I, explain, I like... explain what Murderville is again. For yeah. People. Murderville is essentially a, um, a written uh, scripted comedy for everybody except for the guest. So Jason, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett is this detective <laughs> in the show, in this fictional, fictitious LAPD office, um, and everybody in the in the entire show has give, been given a script and knows who uh, the murderer is and what have you. They have a guest on every week, um, and this is based off of I think a British show. I think yeah, um, and so they have a guest on that does not have a script, and that that actor actress has to basically go along with what is happening in the scene. Uh, in the entire story, they're very, they're often very funny. They have people like Camille Nanjiani, uh, sometimes Marshawn Lynch. Uh, and then in, in this Christmas episode, they have Jason Bateman and also Maya Rudolph uh, as their, their main two guests. Uh, so mm-hmm. again, they're, they, they're have, they unsc- have to solve who killed Santa. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. They have to solve <laughs> who killed Santa uh, played by a very notable person in, in this, uh, in today's times. Is there anything as funny in this movie as when Kumail asked Will Arnett to do the accent. The, I mean, the Kumail one, I think, is like the best one. I, to yeah, I agree. Yeah. But... Watching with the wheels turn in, in Will's mind. <laughs> <laughs> the, what, what I noticed in this Christmas one is there's probably the most I've seen Will Arnett trying to hold back laughter. Like that. that's mm. what I... Granted, it is like a double episode, basically. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, essentially, yeah. But it, it's... It's the. It feels like it's the most he's had to like hold back from breaking up laughing. Yeah, it, yeah, it really right. is pretty good. There's even like a nice reference to McGruber, which I was like, I would have said that line too, and I was so happy that somebody did. Uh, uh-huh. And so it was, it was a really fun time. You should check it out. It's it, it, it like Aaron said, it's a double episode, so it's it's not 48 minutes, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's a really good episode uh, on Netflix as well. So Terrence, two Netflix episodes. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, what about you? Uh, I've seen a few things. I want to hold something back, I guess, for whatever episode we do in between now and back. the top 10 episode. Um, but I'll cover a few things. First up, I'll cover one of the Christmas things I watched um, that's new because I watch plenty of older stuff. But I watched Christmas Bloody Christmas. Oh, this is a shutter family friendly. It's a shutter exclusive. <laughs> uh, it's about these. There's these robotic Santa Clauses 
that apparently like have gone bad. So they've been recalled, except for one uh, that, <laughs> that that terrorizes like these these two like people that work at a record store and their friends. And mm. it's it for one thing, it's good. Um, okay. It's a solid okay. like sla- it's like a slasher movie. I guess, but like it's you know it's a robotic Santa, so it's not like a, a standard slasher. If anything, mm-hmm. by the third act, once everything's like going all crazy and the Santa's like coming after people, it has a lot of like Terminator energy that I actually really pre- like the first Terminator, first Terminator, okay. I, yeah, and I really appreciate it because it's yeah. it has it's a good looking movie, like it's very stylish. It has it uses a lot of like lighting effects uh, to and like smoke effects, like it uses it to for good measure. Like for a movie mm-hmm. that's I, I would assume is a fairly low budget. Having a robotic Santa Claus, they have to make will seem you know believable to some degree. They do a good job by using some solid cinematography and like camera tricks to make it work. Oh, so for like a Shutter horror movie set around Christmas, I had a good time with this one. It's pretty solid. Christmas. Let me ask Christmas. you a question. Yeah. Uh, so all the the bad Santas get recalled. Bad Santas. All the all the evil Santas get recalled. Yeah. Except for one. Did it come with a free frogger? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, that's bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that answers that. Yeah. Terrence, that was a Simpsons reference. I haven't, I don't watch The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But to be fair, we only reference The Simpsons from 1989 to like what, 2002? <laughs> like, like this, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I, I would, I never watched the show. <laughs> we have a quota. We have like a, a, a non written quota to enter in one Simpsons reference per episode. I would assume we do it a lot without knowing a lot of times as well. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I caught up a lot of documentaries, but I'll save those for another show. Okay. Um, the, I watched two Christmas time releases that came out. The first is I want to dance with somebody, which is the Whitney Houston. I guess it's technically called Whitney Houston colon. I want to dance with somebody now. Full because, title. Thank you. Because Sony, because Sony was like, we need to sell more tickets. How can we do that? I don't know. Add the artist's name to the title, I guess, is the, the solution on that one. Did it work? Uh, you know what? My theater for uh, Christmas... When was it? Was it Christmas Day? No, it was the... No, it was Christmas Day. Yeah, it was like the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it was wow. moderately full. Okay. Um, mm. it, did, it did better than Babylon, I'll tell you that much right now. Ooh. But... Um, mm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this was what Naomi Aki stars as Whitney Houston. Yeah, Stanley Tucci playing her manager. Uh, Ashton Sanders from Moonlight plays Bobby Brown um, with the teeth and everything. It's something. Um, this movie is entirely fine. It is very much a Wikipedia movie, Abe. Uh, so yeah. you know, I'm not the biggest on those. I can't Same. say, you know, I can't say it's doing anything all that innovative. Um, but as far as being a biopic about a musician who has a number of songs that are very like you know enjoyable and try to get you going the fact that it was promoting it as from the writer of bohemian rhapsody seems very right because it's really just trying to be this kind of crowd pleaser despite the fact that it has to deal with some gritty stuff mm-hmm. um it i'm not gonna say it holds back but it certainly doesn't delve too deep into the you know the problems like you know it's this it's a very standard biopic as far as there's a rise and then there's a fall as far as then she got into drugs and things right. like that and her husband was a dasshole and whatever mm-hmm. like it doesn't have too much to say about any of this stuff which is unfortunate but as far as being a movie where you get to see significant scenes involving her music it works in that crowd pleasing way or when you get to like certain points towards the end and you want to hear certain things the way they've structured it it's fine and okay. 
I think Aki, she's very good as Whitney Houston. She makes that role work. Stanley Tucci's great in it because he's Stanley Tucci. <laughs> um, I, you know, if if I'm going to like put it against something like Bohemian Rhapsody, I'd say it's better simply because for one thing, <laughs> it doesn't like wildly adjust the facts to like make things work <laughs> for some compelling compelling narrative. Aaron, and, they wrote a hit every time they're in the studio. <laughs> and while she was singing, and then they, I think they still replaced like her voice because it's Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, at least she was doing some singing, and also didn't rely on you know teeth to do a lot of the work for the acting. So like mm-hmm. I think those things. So overall... you're telling me she's going to win Best Actress? No, but got it, got it. Okay. I mean, if if Bradley Cooper can't win an Oscar for changing his actual voice <laughs> to be a proper for singer over a year, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think this is going to go as far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very, very standard biopic, but it, it does work as a crowd pleaser, which is what it's choosing to do. So Great. for, you know, okay. Cassie Lemons directing this movie, it's completely fine. It's it's too inoffensive to be up in arms about as far as Got what it. it's not doing. OK, uh, the other film I saw was A Man Called Otto. Oh, we talked about this, this just is, a few weeks ago. This is the um, the remake of the uh, Swedish film A Man Called Ove, mm-hmm. which was a double Oscar nominee back in like 2015. Um, not a fan. Uh, oh, wow. okay. Did exactly what I was uh, dreading it would do, which is be an Americanized remake that sands off all of the edges and just feels just lesser than in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hanks is fine because he's Tom Hanks, but it's like I've seen him do grumpy guys or midlife crisis people a lot better in other movies i think the best mm-hmm. of these like tom hanks is going through some stuff honestly the hologram for a king <laughs> i like them quite a bit as far mm-hmm. as those kind of performances go for him um the actress who plays like the the new neighbor um who like is supposed to be this kind of like ball of spontaneity and more fun or whatnot like she does the job as far as like what this movie is going for but i mean it just there's nothing here that makes there it just feels redundant and it's something I really dislike about these kind of Americanized remakes where there's nothing done to give to justify why this needed to happen beyond being like, well, now there's a version that doesn't have subtitles, Americans. Like, it's like, OK, well, that's <laughs> yeah. like they, there's nothing else here. Yeah. Why? Uh, there there are aspects of the original that I that are left out of this one or dumbed down in ways or like that's the choice you made. Yeah. For example, Mike Birbiglia plays like the antagonist of this movie and what I it's just an aspect of the, the original film, but it's like there's something I I enjoy, not enjoy. There's it's something that works about the original as far as what kind of antagonistic force there is and what that backstory is here. It like cuts all that out and just gives you bumbling Mike Birbiglia in the role. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I like Birbiglia, but it's like he is this is not his time to shine in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So it's just it. Just yeah, what is it with the. American, it's it ha- especially it's the comedies that really, yeah, um, like force majeure is is, is coming to mind. Yeah. yeah, down, yeah, the downhill we were that's it's just this is just as bad as downhill. Yeah, <laughs> like we know why they work in their home country, but we're like, what what is it about? You know, the sanding off, like, why do they need to do that, or why, or um, yeah, yeah, it's weird because the way that I described when I was rewatching a man called Ove a few weeks ago, and I was talking about mm-hmm. with Aaron. I was basically saying, like, there's like a European sensibility to this movie. Um, and I think that Americans kind of just don't really like how, <laughs> how, uh, sometimes movies kind of just like what Aaron was mentioning, like, they kind of go a little bit 
it could be deemed as like a, a comedy a dramedy, but then sometimes when you go too much into the drama, you don't like it as much. It's like this actually adds a lot to characterization and character mm-hmm. development. And, you know, not everything is neat and tidy all the time. I don't know why. You're, uh, you're exactly characters. right. Yeah. And, and that's why you get Tom Hanks. So you can still have those edges because you have someone that you, you know, someone that's agreeable enough like him to be like, you don't have to worry about how dark it gets. Cause like, well, Tom Hanks is here. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I automatically accept this character and what he has to go through, but this movie just doesn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. It just, it just loses out on like the stuff that sticks all this together in a better mm-hmm. way. So like, there's still like, you know, the little quips that Hanks gives because yeah, Hanks, you know, he's, he has enough kind of charisma to make that kind of thing right. work. But the movie itself as a whole just doesn't add up to much that justifies why it needed to happen beyond sure. what I already said. So yeah. it's a okay. missed opportunity to do something interesting. You got that one in the theaters or you got that on streaming? I got a, I had a screener of it. Because, so. okay. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it opens wide in January. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got it. Yeah. See? Well, all right. That's on our quickies. Great, Mark. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to our trailer talk for the week. We talk about some of the newest movie trailers, what we thought of them, when we when they're coming out, and what have you. This week we have a we have a double header, uh, not just because we're talking about two trailers, but we're talking about two films, two potential blockbusters that are opening on the exact same day. That's right, Oppenheimer from Christopher Nolan and Barbie from Greta Gerwig, two <laughs> movies that are certainly being looked forward to. Maybe by maybe both by some people. Yeah. Maybe just one. Maybe the other. <laughs> they get a double feature that day. But we have these. T- yeah, exactly. We have these two movies that are opening on the same day. Oppenheimer, the biography about J. Robert Oppenheimer, starring Killian Murphy and all your favorite white actors in Hollywood. Every single one of them is in this. Literally, movie. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> if you look, if you look at just the Wikipedia page, it's ridiculous how long the cast list is for this movie. Um, and they're all white. Um, and then you have Barbie, Greta Gerwig, and Noah Baumbach have gotten together and finally cracked the Mattel toy for a feature <laughs> adaptation starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, C- Simu Liu. Uh, like, I think Will Ferrell's in this, right? There's, like, yes. Guess, yeah. like, there's, a, but there's a bunch of people in this movie, too. A lot of people in that movie, too, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, people of color in the Barbie movie, that's, which is true. That's true, yes. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> see here, yeah. You you have uh, you have Kingsley Benadir. You have you have Simu. You have America Ferrera. Uh, Shuti Gatwa. Alexander Ship. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kate McKinnon goes all the way around and back to being color. Right. That's that's something. Uh, that's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so. We have these two movies. They're opening on the same day. Head we to head. Two, we have two trailers. For, we have a lot, Actually, we have a few trailers for Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer had like, its teaser. It had its IMAX thing with with Avatar and then I was like a standard trailer. Meanwhile, Barbie's just like, let's, let's just do Kubrick. And that's all they needed to do. So <laughs> with that in mind, Terrence, of these two movies, which are the two that you're looking forward to most? I'm definitely looking forward to Barbie the most. Um, I, like I, The more I see about it, the more I'm just like, it's gaining an anticipation because I'm like, what the hell got all these people to sign on <laughs> a Barbie movie? Like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach right, writing this. Like, I just want to, I want to know what it was that drew them to this other than money. Um, and if it's, if money is just the reason that's fine too. But like, <laughs> it's so, it's got a really interesting cast. It looks ridiculous. I love, 
that the trailer decided to parody Kubrick precisely for sort of the message of like Barbie really being that for young girls and, and women when that toy first came out, as well as the fact that they knew it was going to get people pissed off, <laughs> um, which it did, right? Everybody's like, oh, how could you do this? And it's like, okay, I, I'm liking the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the only positive thing to come out of Warner Brothers uh, in months. Um <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's look, let's look at the headlines from Warner Brothers Discovery and <laughs> that might be an indisputable fact. Uh Oppenheimer I was very bored by the trailer. But I loved the VFX. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And knowing Christopher Nolan and knowing that he's trying to do in camera stuff. In camera stuff, I think that could be really cool. I think that's something really Interesting. I, you know, have a whole degree in engineering. So at one point in my life, I really did love science a lot. Um, not anymore, no. Not not as much now, <laughs> but not, I don't want to work in it. But like, I still I still love those things. Um, I think it just the color palette is very muted. It's very it was a very somber trailer. So it's like okay, I know I'm getting what I typically get from Christopher Nolan in terms of visuals. Um, I am happy for Killian Murphy. He's a great actor. Yeah, uh, I think what intrigues me about this movie is more just like, like we're we're laughing about how long the cast list is, but like, what kind of impact are the other? There's people in this movie who are big names that are going to get like a line. I mean, like Gary Oldman, you know, like it, it's so I'm I'm intrigued by that, but like the trailer was fine. It just I don't and I don't think there is anything that can really that would really excite me in a trailer form about Oppenheimer because I know the end result of the movie is like to get to the atomic bomb and sort of what that historically means for this country. <laughs> so <laughs> like Killian Murphy is sort of my main selling point. So I'm, I'm happy that he's getting this big showcase. So that and the, the VFX was sort of my main takeaway from the trailer. All right. Labe, where are you in this uh, Mattel V universal showdown? Mattel V universal. Hilarious. Uh, so yeah, if we're putting these two, if we're pitting these two together, and I'm taking a look at both of the trailers, you know, Oppenheimer, like everything, like Terrence said, beautiful visual effects. I mean, we've seen it in Interstellar. You saw it with the black holes and and everything else that that Nolan has done. So Nolan is there for you. I also like a good everybody movie, like a JFK or a Lincoln or something like that. It's like, oh, there's that guy. You know what I mean? Uh, but like what you guys said, a lot of white faces. So uh, maybe maybe that might be a little bit too much. But I'll um, note that it does have Rami Malek, who is of course Egyptian, and uh, as SNL told us, could play Prince in a biopic. Apparently, yeah, so exactly. You know, it can't be award winner uh, <laughs> Rami Malek. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Oscar winner Rami Malek. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he won for. I can't I did believe not even realize he was in this. Let I still can't believe that they list. used the uh, the clip for him with his fake teeth lip syncing at the Oscars. That was so fucking shady. Yeah, that was <laughs> when no, they I, did that. that I think was everybody so, that, was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that was so messed up. That I think that really set the tone for how that Oscar is going to be viewed for the rest of time. <laughs> But um, as we move uh, from that, you know, you have this Barbie trailer that is very evocative, provocative, you know, pretty moving in some ways. You know, I, I wasn't sure what I was watching at first. Was it and moving? Then, Were you moved? I was, you know, really, I was just thinking to myself, what a fucking monumental 
achievement in a teaser trailer dumb in having you know, 2001 the space odyssey ripoff and i gotta tell you i'm fucking loving this barbie trailer i'm my vote is for the barbie trailer there is this weird sense of i'm in on my own joke and i'm smart enough to realize that but also greta gerwig and also her partner uh noah bombach wrote this script it's gonna be fucking amazing like it's gotta be. There's get. We might be thinking to ourselves, "Oh, it's just this movie about um, uh, a, a doll and how it changed the world." I don't know. What if there's like a deeper thing? What if Ken decides that he just doesn't understand what his purpose is in life, and he goes through a, a weird midlife crisis in the movie? I have so many open doors here. Oppenheimer, I get it. It's cool that they shot it in Berkeley as well. Old timey cars. Oh, but my money is <laughs> <laughs> my money is on Barbie. Give me, give me that. How about you, Aaron? You know, I, I the the thing I agree the most on is that having Gerwig and Baumbach writing the script makes me think, okay, there's certainly they have a take here. I, the, these are not people that really like need this like giant payday, like if they mm-hmm. want to do their projects with their projects. So it's like that's that's the most intriguing thing to me. Like I'm not surprised that it looks the way it does as far as, as, far as when we actually see footage from the movie, as far as like sure. high pastels and what have you. It's like, yeah, it's gonna be colorful. Why wouldn't it be? Um, the best hope I have is that it does something on the level of Lego movie, which is brilliant in my mind. I mean, as far as like taking a seemingly simple thing as far as, hey, it's a toy. Let's just make a movie out of it and doing something that kind of blows up the whole concept of toydom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to think that that's what's going on with this as well. And yeah, you have a big cast. There's lots of things to work with. I mean, I, I don't know what this is going to be based on what we have, but I, you know, the, I there's no reason I can't think it's going to be promising based off having competent people at the head of the ship. Um, Oppenheimer, like, you know, I'm a big Nolan guy. So it's like, yeah, Oppenheimer looks great. I, I, I would argue the best thing I've seen from Oppenheimer so far is that IMAX thing before Avatar, where it, it it's neat in the way, like, yeah, I agree with everything you guys said as far as like the visual effects and camera and Nolan doing his, like, and having Hoytema von Hoyt and everything back is for cinematography and whatnot. Uh, and this cat, like, yes, I've joked about the cast, but it is a strong, like, the people involved is certainly the ones, you know, that are seemingly more headlined at the top there, Downey, Damon, whatnot, Murphy. Um, cool. But um, hmm. what I like about, like, that, specifically that Avatar thing, but even just in general, the idea that we know what, like, Oppenheimer does, we know the bomb exists, we know we use it. Um, but the fact that they're like deriving tension from like, like these test runs that they're going to do and making that feel intense in the same way that like the Dunkirk trailers make things feel really intense. Uh, I'm into that. I, I'm into sure. generating this level of tension and uh, using, you know, points in history that we know have to go a certain way and still deriving like suspense out of that. Like that's that's cool to me. And given that it's not specifically an action movie, I am curious what Nolan wants to do from a screenplay standpoint. If he wants to do something more along the lines of like Memento or what have you, not necessarily backwards, but I mean, playing around with the narrative as far as when all this is, you know, what what the format's going to be. Are we do are we you know looking at things from the future and going in the past, whatnot? For what I can tell, it's kind of mixing up the the look of it as far as being in color versus being black and white. Like I don't know what to expect here. Like I. I would say the same about both movies. I don't know what I'm exactly going to get, despite getting, you know, the basic premise, Barbie doll and, you know, the nuke. Um, so it's like, <laughs> what's coming? What's coming with all this? I I, I want to find out those answers. Uh, fun note. There are 
39 named actors on this Oppenheimer Wikipedia page. Wow. <laughs> and Rami Malek is the only of the people I'm looking at and I is the only person <laughs> of color. It's, I'm it's sure that uh, if Twitter still exists when it opens, uh, they're going to have a field day with it. Well, they did yeah, well, already they... when they kept announcing cast members. Uh, but it just <laughs> come back up again. Uh, one might ask, well, were there black people and Hispanics and Asian people working at, uh, on the Manhattan Project? And the answer is, uh, yes, actually, there were. Um, that's a, that is a thing. Uh, so I'm not primarily located in uh, Nevada or Colorado or uh, California, specifically, but mm -hmm. a lot of people involved. It's going to be exciting in 50 years to get hidden figures, Oppenheimer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's Christopher Nolan, so it's like attention must be paid. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just, I'm like, all right, homie, you, this, we're, we're now in like, I'm intrigued what drew him to the project, but we're also in now, like, what types of movies are you making in? Like, what are you making them for territory with Christopher Nolan? Um, that we sort that of hit exciting with... though, shouldn't it? Like, it's not like, yeah, he's like well, you know but, what, but that, do, I mean, let me, like, let me do my Batman thing again. It's like, no, he's like, let me make a biopic for as a summer movie release. Like, yeah, not... which is, you know, and, and he, is that universal and they're great and they're going to give him the big run. You know, he left Warner brothers because he was mad about everything. Uh, the tenant <laughs> thing, which I don't want to rehash because it'll make me mad, but yeah. like, we're just, you know, like directors get to a certain stature and then they start making the curious case of Benjamin button. Um, which And like, love. I love that movie, but like, you, you know what I mean? Where it's like the, not that they not that Nolan needs an Oscar to validate him, but that like he's sort of at that level of director where like those type of projects start creeping into the filmography. So I'm I'm intrigued to see sort of where this will fall. Like, will this be like on the weirder side? Hmm. I see what you're saying. I mean, like, yeah, I don't mean it as a bad thing because no, 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 no I know. I mean, yeah. but, I mean, Nolan making a biopic. Yeah, that you know, already being a quote unquote prestige director. Yeah, yes. I do think that kind of leans in as far as like the potential where it could go. Much like his last, like, you know, since inception, his movies have been prestige plays to some degree. Right. Like, it's always like that, an automatic conversation. It's, it's going to be hilarious when uh, the movie is actually just this Wikipedia movie about uh, Robert. Yeah, it's just very plain. <laughs> very boring. He was born. It's like, it's oh, wow, we're going here. Yeah. <laughs> He's four He's years just... old and he loves atomic bombs. <laughs> he was mentally prepared for his next movie. He's like, yeah, let me just knock out an Oppenheimer thing. Right. <laughs> This is what people right. want. Okay. Well, Oppenheimer and Barbie both open July 21st, 2023. Wow. Okay. So uh, stay Friend, tuned. Think of summer. Yep. It's very right. exciting. Yep. I, li I like that both of these studios were like, we're putting these movies. Because like... Well, I like that they have Oppenheimer and WB's like, oh, fucking Nolan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's great because it's like, in theory, these are two different audiences, but then there are people like us that are excited to see or interested to see both. Yeah. So like we would do a double feature or we'd see them both that weekend. And, you know, it's nice to have competition <laughs> at Indeed. the movie theater. Yeah. Whole, whole different topic altogether about the... About you know, bring movies back to the theater, which yeah. might be a question we have in our uh, main review here. Well, mm. let's uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's get to our main review for Babylon. I think what we have here in Hollywood is high art. It's party time, sparkle time. 
If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. Yes. Let's go. Something that lasts, that means something. You know, when I first moved to LA, you know what signs on all the doors read? No actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. Good morning. Good job for you. I'll do anything. That's the jackass they said to screw us. Yeah! This bitch is stealing the scene right from Mummy. She's icing her nipples so they perk up through her dress. I ain't icing my nipples. This is natural. What do you say we come in for my close-up now? What are your thoughts for the future? Shouldn't stand in the way of progress. This is gonna be what it's gonna be. Here's the twist. Whoa! The girl seems nice. She is. She has no idea what's next. That should have been some of the trailer for Babylon. While the films of the 1920s were silent, the period around them was anything but. Babylon is a depiction of the climax of the Roaring Twenties, where movies were made with the spirit and with the spirit of chaos in mind before sound pictures came into play, changing the dynamic for everyone already living large. The film features an ensemble cast. Brad Pitt is Jack Conrad, a well-paid silent film star. Margot Robbie is Nellie Roy, an aspiring actress seemingly fueled by her innate talent and cocaine. Diego Calva <laughs> is Manny Torres, a PA aspiring to become a much bigger deal in Hollywood. Uh, Gene Smart is Eleanor St. John, a gossip journalist. Jovan Adepo is Cindy Palmer, a jazz trumpet player. And Lee Jun Lee is Lady Feizhou, a popular cabaret singer. All of these individuals be, will be confronted with a variety of changes as the film industry evolves around them. Terrence, I want to know, where have you been with Chazelle as a filmmaker? And what do you think of Babylon? Where have I been with Damon Chazelle? Um, I think Damon Chazelle has made two very good movies. La La Land and First Man. I think I like First Man the best. Um, I do not like Whiplash. And I like this movie even less, <laughs> less than I like Whiplash. Um, I, I, like, I like that Damon Chazelle is getting to take swings. Sure. You know, I like that he's... Like, okay, I can make the the movie about the, you know, obsessive musician and I'm going to have him get in a car crash and then show up to a recital and still want to play. Um, you know, I, I described Babylon as this year's most movie. <laughs> okay. You know, it just, it's, it's excellent. He's like, he's like, okay, I want to make a movie about this time period and we knew, and I know all of this crazy stuff was going on. So let me put it all in the movie. Let me amp it up to 10. But like, he substitutes that for, I think, more interesting nuance that could have been there. Um, I think that this movie is a lot of shock value for shock value's sake. And not really stuff that enhances the character's journeys or our audience experience like you know just the way the movie opens i think he's trying to set you up he's like this is going to be like the vulgar this is going to be like what they didn't put in singing in the rain uh you know another movie about hollywood moving from the silence to talkies mm -hmm. um and he and here he's like okay i'm going to give you these sort of central characters and i the way you describe this movie 
just now sounds so fascinating <laughs> because the balance of those characters <laughs> in this film is not as like beautiful as you just put it. Um, I think that like, I think that in all of this excess, there's some really great stuff. The production design is phenomenal. Costume design is phenomenal. Makeup, hair, the technical aspects of this movie are very good. Even though I was mad at you, we joked about all quiet on the Western front being loud. This movie is really fucking loud. Um, <laughs> but it just like in trying to be so in your face, he like drops the ball with the characters as they move along. So like, I had a conversation with Scott Menzel about this. And we were like, every five scenes, there's a good scene. <laughs> okay. But it, it, it feels like that. It feels like you're like, okay, let me get through the elephant shitting on somebody. And let me get through this crazy party. And let me get through the... And oh, it's like, here's these two people meeting at this crazy party. Talking about their dreams. Right? Let me do all this. Let me, you know, let me meet this trumpet player. Let me see him fall asleep. Let me never hear from him again. And all of a sudden... Now he's on stage in the in the scene that we can get into a little later, but it's like the sort of like through lines are not there, especially for the characters of color. And they're just like little things like and, and Chazelle feels like a detail oriented director. And it felt like he dropped the ball as he was going on because he needed to get to the next shocking thing or the next over the top moment. Um, and so like, even while he's delivering all these good things, I just kept being like, okay, well, let me just wait another 20 minutes for the next really good scene <laughs> to come about in this movie. Mm -hmm. So that's my Babylon thoughts off jump. <laughs> well, thank, thank you for that conclusion. Um, Abe, I yes. am very curious about your thoughts on Babylon. I also want to be reminded of where you are with uh, Chazelle. Well, Mr. Chazelle and I went to college together. Uh, this is not true, but uh, <laughs> you I was about know. to be like, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm actually the inspiration behind Whiplash. I'm a really good drummer. Oh, Terrence. God. <laughs> Go to the hospital, please. You, you, don't, no, you, don't, gotta have make to, you don't have to suffer for art. <laughs> my dad is Paul Reiser. Um, no. Uh, I play Raisinets in my popcorn. <laughs> Damien Chazelle, I think, is a really interesting filmmaker, mostly just because he is a, he's clearly a person that knows a lot about Hollywood. Um, and he, he seems to really enjoy these tales of these older tales, like even First Man is a movie that is not of his contemporary time. You know, he's like a 30-year-old guy right now, right? 32, maybe. Um, and First Man is a movie set back in, you know, the, the 50s. Um, so it's really interesting for him to tell you that he loves these old movies and express them in a way that is, you know, modernized, you know, with uh, all the singing and dancing in La La Land or how much he loves uh, music school and jazz in... Um, in, uh, in all of his movies, apparently, but specifically like in Whiplash. But uh, so I think that he's an interesting filmmaker. I think that I mean, La La Land, like Brian Gosling saved jazz. So, I mean, yes. And we also did, he, we didn't he... have to bring that up. <laughs> he saved. It. I was going to say that he turned down a music contract from John Legend as well. So, uh, and at least one of the scenarios. But um, so I think that he's an interesting filmmaker. I think that he is still pretty young in what he's trying to do. So he's still got that energy to do like these wild swings. So that leads into Babylon, which is, you know, it's not a movie that I love, but it's not a movie that I hate. And I think that the Terrence has hit on a, a lot of things that I also found within this movie um, that maybe are not, they just didn't really hit for me. You know, there is a semblance of, I really enjoy from the Chazelle standpoint, I really enjoy 
again, historical Hollywood. And, you know, whether that be, be for his own personal gain, she's all no personal game. She's like, I know that the Academy loves when, when Hollywood sucks its own dick kind of thing, then I'll just make a movie about that and I'll get rewarded for it. It's like, if that's your prerogative and motive, then fine. But also if you just really love history of Hollywood, then that's also fine too. But when I'm watching this movie, um, what definitely comes across is that he knows history and he's like putting it in here. You know, these, these, some of these characters are just straight characters from, you know, the, the silent film era or even like, um, the forties and fifties Hollywood kind of thing. Just early Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. We're, some of them are amalgamations and then obviously some of them were just like made up, but they're probably based on somebody, um, or they're probably based on like, you know, Hollywood film lore or what have you, you know, like these shady producers and what have you. But what kind of comes across is I'm watching these things and Terrence kind of hit it too, is, um, it doesn't feel like sometimes he doesn't fully believe in what he's putting on the screen. Like, and that may sound weird, but when I'm watching something like licorice pizza, it's clear that, you know, PTA loves the Valley and he like loves, uh, all these old restaurants that he used to go to. He loves like this character, um, buddy Valentine, something Valentine, um, that, uh, he's basically making this movie about, and the passions come across on the screen here. Um, but I think what I'm missing out on in Babylon is also this sense of character development, but also like this ratcheted up tension that the movie tries to go through, but it actually doesn't really fulfill, um, which is unfortunate because I think that it, it could have showed me how more off the rails it could have been. And I, I think I would have loved that just in terms of the partying for sure, the 1920s, uh, roaring 20s type partying, but it, it actually spans this movie spans multiple decades as well. And so when I'm thinking about that, I mean, this comparison is not new either, but you have this movie like Boogie Nights where uh, things do get fun and then they're, and then all of a sudden it gets serious. And then it actually gets like really serious with Alfred Molina's character. Um, and you're just like, I don't know what I'm watching right now, but I'm, I'm like, I'm glued to my seat because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm either scared for these characters or I'm really riding with them because I hope that they're okay kind of thing. Um, and then you also get other movies like Hail Caesar or uh, even Memento where it, it gets into, you know, weird territory. Of, the Memento part is more for the um, the ratcheted up tension things, but the Hail Caesar part is also like, well, I'm going to play with the way, I mean, this movie does it too. Babylon does it too, but, but Hail Caesar definitely does it where it's like, I'm going to play with like the film stock and I'm the color grading. And also I'm going to make you feel like you're watching this 1950s movie. Um, and, you know, Babylon is very unique in that it doesn't really do that per se, even though I'm following these characters. And so it is unfortunate that, that, uh, that there is an aspect that I did find lacking to it. As far as like the uh, technical aspects go, 100% agreed. They're fantastic. You know, character, I mean, custom design, uh, set design, uh, production, um, cinematography, uh, a lot of that stuff is really, makeup, hair and makeup is really good too. Uh, but uh, there's all these things that Giselle is pointing his, his camera at and trying to say something about. But sometimes it falls a little bit flat. And, you know, we watched Nope this past summer and we talked about it. A lot of people wrote about it of just the marginalization of uh, people of color in Hollywood. And this movie kind of touches upon this, too. And Terrence, you brought up, you know, a specific scene. But even with like, you know, the um, who's what's uh, Lee Jun Lee's character, Lady Lady uh, uh, Lady Faye, Lady, Lady Faye. Faye. Yeah. Where there's like there's actually, you know, two 
interesting things about that, which is like, yes, Lady Faye is like this Asian uh, actress slash like Hollywood uh, person. Uh, but then there's also about her sexuality within Hollywood too. And there's mm-hmm. some stuff that kind of just like slides on the screen. So you're just like, oh, well, it's cool that he's including this, but also like, well, what about it? You know, so I wish that it did go crazier um, in, in what it was doing, because at the end of this movie, I, I dug that they kind of quickened the pace. Not to say that I, I didn't enjoy the first, like, you know, two and a half hours of this is more that I really enjoyed that. Oh, there's like some compelling things going on now. And, um, the fading out of old Hollywood with the Brad Pitt character and what have you, but also, um, yeah, if, if he wanted to go full crazy like the first thirty minutes of this movie, I I would have just been like, this is incredible, like Wolf of Wall Street style, incredible. Uh, but you know, it, it kind of is just, it's a, a movie that I I thought was interesting, but I didn't think that I loved it. How about you? Aaron? Yeah, yeah, Aaron. <laughs> what do you think? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's with the accusatory? <laughs> no, I, it was more. I was, I was just trying. I was just asking. Well, first off, I like Chazelle in general. I've liked all of his movies, including mm-hmm. uh, um, what guy Madeline Parkman, his first movie before Whiplash. Like, I think he certainly has an eye uh, for how to capture certain kind of imagery. I, I think he works well with his editors as far as developing a certain kind of pace and tension when he needs to. Um, and I, I really liked when he dialed so much back for first man doing with a topic that I very much enjoy, which is, you know, kind of that space age era and what he had to say about that. And just the way he composed that movie, like I, I find him jumping between different things, uh, really interesting. And I look forward to like, whatever the next like thing he's going to do is because I, I doubt it will be exactly like this. I think he'll just once again, do something completely different, um, with that all in mind, like I like this movie certainly more than Terrence did, but I'm probably about on the same page as Abe as far as it feels like it's coming up short on being as good as it clearly wants to be and feels like it is. Um, and that's a shame because I do like watching this. I do feel like the first half of this movie, I think, works really well. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I just do think it works really well as far as having mm-hmm. multiple set pieces that are highly memorable, um, establishing characters that I'd like to be more interested in um, and just giving me this kind of high energy feel of what the roaring twenties is like and in, from this kind of, you know, more intense and shocking angle um, as far as a, you know, a filmmaker is allowed to, when it comes to making a three hour R rated movie, like that kind of feel like, okay, good. Like if you're going to go for it, then I guess go for it. I have issues still within that first half, but I do think there's just so much standout stuff within it that, makes it all work really well for me, uh, particularly a sequence where they're trying to basically where they're on a film set uh, for an extended period of time. And there's just a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it suffers more in the second half and especially the epilogue um, mm. when it comes to my, when I realize that there's just not much with these characters, I think they're all very thin, um, which goes for both. Yes. The ones that we've talked about that are kind of like, just kind of slide away from the film, uh, particularly yeah, Joanna Depo's character and, and the Lady Faye character. Like they're just kind of there, and then they're not, and there's not much to say about them. Which is like, okay, that's something. But even when it comes to the main character, when we talk about Jack Conrad or Nelly Roy or Manny, I, like, is it interesting to follow them in this movie? Sure, but when I really look at who these people are, there's not a lot there. Mm-hmm. And if you're making a three-hour movie. I feel like there's time to establish more and that's a shame to me that we don't have anything else to really delve into. 
when I look at the structure of this, and obviously you can match it up to, as mentioned, Boogie Nights, Wolf of Wall Street, Singing in the Rain are like very clear influences on all of this. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't help when those influences are, for one thing, very obvious, particularly Singing in the Rain, which doesn't mm-hmm. help when you show clips of Singing in the Rain to be like, look, see, remember that? Like, right. okay. Um, when you're doing that and not doing it nearly as well yeah that's gonna rub off in a not so great way so when i'm getting to the second half which and i'm generalizing a bit as far as halves go but when i'm getting to this period where yes it becomes more of a downer as opposed to the kind of you know uh, freewheeling high partying whatnot when it gets to this you know now everything's coming crashing down because the sound is entered into the industry and what have you like there's interesting stuff in there to a degree but it doesn't take anything to any level that feels all that inspired. Like there's yeah. ideas there, but yeah. they don't feel like they're very much capitalized on in great ways. And then it shoves a lot of that aside, particularly involving the, you know, what the politics would be involving around certain characters for the sake of having a, you know, kind of intense finale involving gangsters and stuff, which is like, okay. I'm not going to begrudge this too much because Tobey Maguire is involved and he's giving what I think is probably the best performance of the film. But um... <laughs> he was, yeah, that was one of my favorite. He was great. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like, this just feels like a big diversion at this point where it's like, it seems like you're deliberately calling back to specifically Boogie Nights now, but like, what do you right. have to offer with this beyond just, isn't this crazy? Um, and that's, is what it is. Now, this could have been pulled together if we had an epilogue that was like, and hey, now Chazelle's going to say his big thing about movies or whatever. Um, I mm. do think he's certainly saying something, but it takes a fucking long time to do it because <laughs> this ending keeps going and going. My and God. Going, including yes. a montage that feels entirely out of place. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for me. Like I get what the goal is, but it just did not execute in a way that made me feel much of anything. And if that's the main thought that I have watching this, then yeah, it's just not all that successful in doing it. Like, again, there's so much that I like about this. And even with the performance, like with the characters I'm saying are thin, I still think the actors are doing the job, Uh, but except one. Yes. Okay, well, we'll damn this, but yeah, yeah. But, I'm curious. <laughs> but I, but I just, I, I feel like it's just, it's missing too many marks for me to be like to to be thinking of this in a higher light than I, than I can. Yeah, I think one thing that you you said that sort of really, really caught me is that I think that the reason why it doesn't feel like it has any depth is because when you're in the moments of that where it could, it's like focused on things other than the depth right or it's like look at this crazy thing it's like let's have margot robbie's character fight a snake that snake scene leads to a particular relationship forming Mm -hmm. of which we do not see on screen we only get a bit about it when one of the people in that relationship is told that they can't be in it anymore right and it's like, so why did we just spend five minutes watching people run around in the desert scared of a snake when we could have been spending three minutes with that and two minutes on this relationship? You I know, agree it, with it, you. He, like he, it. It, the, the movie, and that's why I think the characters feel thin. It's just that it's like, what of their lives and personalities 
is the movie concerned with focusing on and what is Chazelle leaving up to the audience to have knowledge of and what does he himself not have knowledge of? Like, I think uh, Lee, Lee Jun Lee, Lee Jun yeah, Lee, yeah. Julie, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and Joe Von Depo, I think were my favorite. And Diego Calvo is fantastic in this too. But it's like, I felt it very strongly with the minority characters in this movie that like, there just is something that Damien did not put on screen with those characters. Whether he just doesn't know or whether he just was not concerned with like the the depth of what that experience would be. It's not there on the screen. And it has an effect in the movie because it a lot of their scenes build up to like really important and interesting scenes where he's trying to like say something about Hollywood or about the world. But it's like there's there's no there there because we haven't gotten anything like Giovanna Depo is on screen for what, 10 minutes? I mean. I know you what you're saying. Let, yeah, let like, me ask you. Let me ask you this: Is it like because I I agree with you, but I want to ask you this devil's advocate question. If you made this movie and didn't have these characters at all, would Chazelle not get called out for not representing them whatsoever? To me, it would feel like more representation of what the movie he's actually trying to make is. Hmm. But oh, I, like I, yeah. Diego Manny Torres, Diego Calva, phenomenal. He's great in this movie. So I don't want anything to to say to like color that because I think that he does a phenomenal job. But like you can just look at the points in where he has this PA who's from Mexico when he has that character start and stop speaking Spanish. Hmm, interesting. And it's like there are like swaths of this movie where this movie forgets about his race and ethnicity. Despite the fact that at how that character's growth is. And like, we know there were like minorities working in Hollywood. Like I was just looking up um, James Wong Howe's filmography yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how I got on his Wikipedia page, but (laughs) I was just like, wow, like what a fascinating thing. But then I got to the part about how he married a white woman and they literally could not live in the same apartment in California mm-hmm. because of the laws. And this movie has multiple minority characters and does not have them face things about their race or ethnicity or only brings it up when they like wants a spectacular scene and not when it feels right to give the character depth. And I just, I struggled with that a lot because this movie is long as hell mm-hmm. so it's not like you didn't have the time but yeah it's like okay I've, great Diego to, Calva is mm-hmm. playing Manny Torres as his Mexican PA how many conversations does he have with a Mexican person in the movie just a couple I think in the beginning if that right I've, the I've, elephant thing I, I've yeah. been I've been of two minds about this because I I largely agree with you like as far as there isn't much done to address the fact that this is a mexican-american man living at a time where that would certainly be a factor right it's it's like okay if you want to show like if the movie's intention is to show the ugly side of hollywood during this time show that and i don't think it's often doing that except for like a one key moment where it really matters to cindy palmer um, which happens to well, involve Manny does. of all people. Like the other thing with Manny, like, yes, the movie's not 
doing much for him to be like you know look at look at how be, me being mexican is affecting my whole life now at the same time if he's a guy who is dream right now is i want to live in hollywood and be like the you know be a big deal in hollywood like just make it above mm-hmm. he would be doing everything he could to kind of cut cut off his mexican heritage i mean the fact that he wants to be called manny and never man well the fact yes. that he is choosing never to speak spanish yeah. the fact that he's going to parties with white but, women but is I, it a is it a choice i think I, that it is do you feel like the movie do you feel like the character in the movie is making that choice or are we reading it that way um i think the character is making a choice just because of what aaron because to there. me it didn't feel like the character was making the choice it just but sort of felt like i think it was things forgotten. like there's also the part where in the in one one scene in the party where he's like i'm from spain <laughs> and yes like, he calls oh. himself a spain based so so i mean and he looks you know thanks thanks to colonization he looks just like javier bardem exactly yeah <laughs> same great jawline you know what i mean it's it's, well, it's, it's that, you know, eerie when, when you look at some of the you know because the movie jumps in time a bit like he becomes more gaunt as the film like carries yeah. on into the future but yeah. i think that's where i i'm agreeing with both of you guys where that's just where what did giselle want to do with this and because he didn't really explore it more or have it as like the main premise of his movie it just kind of just falls away because he has to go cut to something else um and that's the that thing is, it's it's yeah. so stacked with other characters that yeah that doesn't give enough time to which is weird in a three-hour movie to not have enough time to do something right. <laughs> but that's yeah so it's like yes well, terrence i i like i agree with you. i don't think it's beyond chazelle as far as his mind is on this to a degree and he's directing you know diego calva to and i'm sure diego calva has thoughts of his character as well sure. but yeah. i don't but i agree with, with abe as, as well as far as it's not it's there without being there enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think I think maybe I'm reacting to it just it not being there because it's like, you know, like I I love Diego. I think Diego was phenomenal and what a find. Um, mm-hmm. this is, he's this basically is new. Like he's in Narcos. Yeah. Um, and he's but like he's, he's got a few like TV here. things here and there. But yeah, he's this for a, basically a debut film. He is really yeah. good. Yeah. So it's 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 not that he does not have the talent to carry those scenes. It just is like. He's being very deliberate with what is shown in this film, right? Mm-hmm. Like the excesses of this time. He makes it a point to show you things. And when things are not there, <laughs> you know, like he made a point in that scene with Sydney with the charcoal. That is a really tough scene to sit through as a black person in a three hour movie that you don't like, but Mm -hmm. you know, just in general. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Sydney, man. Yeah. Like where he stands, like with, I like, I just, I I wanted, what I know is he's very good at playing the trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I know about it. And and I know that he like tells his partner to like practice more. That's, that's all that. He's better better than the other black guys. That's, that's what I know about him. It's, (laughs) It's wild. Yeah. And I don't know if this is, maybe this is a question of just, are there too many people to follow here? Right. Um, and Aaron, you I kind don't... of brought that up too, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. Chazelle probably just wanted to say, here's this amalgamation and mashup of all these people and I'll vignette them. But at the same time, like yeah. the vignettes are just not very striking. Um, I, well, I, I don't think, I think there's too doesn't... many because if we, you keep, if we keep, if we keep mentioning boogie nights, like, like there's, 
Wahlberg, Riley, Moore, Reynolds, Graham, Macy, Sheetle. Sheetle. Yeah. All of those characters I know. are fully fleshed out, developed. And I know. Yes. And I was going to say, like, you know, <laughs> like, you know we, well, it's not hot. It's not well, this movie has a juxtaposition. Brad Pitt's storyline, I think, is a storyline that I like glommed onto and was like, this is really great. I loved I loved the journey of that character. Now it's because you like Brad Pitt as well. Brad Pitt is very good in the part. Okay. Um I, I just like the journey he took on that even though it's very much, you know, I the standard, right? He was a star. Here comes the talkies. He's not a star anymore. Mm-hmm. Very a star is is born, you know, uh, you know, people are passing him by. But like it at least came to a point with the conversation that he has with um, Gene Smart's Smart, yeah. character. Like, I was like, okay, this now this is a thesis. Yes. Right. Yeah. This sounds <laughs> yes. like right. this. I was like, okay, this is the movie here. Yeah. So like <laughs> some of this other stuff, though, the journeys just are not as strong or they just take too long or there's so many scenes or they go on forever right you know it like you that that storyline was so sharp and i think it gets to sort of why i mentioned the one margot robbie is fine but let us get but, back to that for a second i want because i want to talk about brad pitt a little bit before yes we move okay on. sure yes we'll talk about because brad, yeah, we was, have our three mains so, and we've talked about diego calva he's very good brad pitt in here i'm kind of mixed on like <laughs> Because it's because I I love Jesus I like I had Pitt. to give you a dramatic gas. I like Pitt, and I agree with you that as far as the arc of this character goes, it is it's effective. Like it does the job. It's just to me, it's just very obvious. Especially the end of his arc, where like there's a poignancy to it, sure, but it just you know like they might as well have handed me a you know a telegraph <laughs> to alert me even even more obviously like in the theater right, sure what's yeah. gonna happen right now uh, because it's like this is I, I there's no nuance here whatsoever and even the nope. performance itself it's very like it's very charismatic because he's fucking you know the biggest movie star in the movie yeah. but it does feel like he's just riffing off of stuff i've seen him do in other movies i liked a lot more particularly hollywood and like his more recent just like for whatever reason, decided to lean into his Kentucky accent uh, or Mr. Memphis accent. Uh, like it's, it, for what it just seems like that's more apparent now. He's yeah. just like, he's getting older. He's like, I guess I'm going to just do my, my natural accent more. more but like, it just it feels like, it feels like more of that, that kind of energy that he's been doing in other things or like, I don't know if there's much new that you're delving into as a character here as far as acting goes like i don't think you're bad i just don't think you're impressing me all that much and that's kind of where i fall too like brad pitt is a very charismatic person you can tell why he's in this movie there's actually some scenes where you know where where man has to go get the the new camera or the the camera from the rental shop and you know Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's like a really nice scene where it's like this is movies this is why movie star is a movie star kind of thing um, that's all well and good, but I agree that there's just not a whole lot here. I mean, he if he were to channel what Leo was doing once upon a time in Hollywood, I would feel that more. Um, but because they're just like, beat the pretty face, and then, you know, we don't know why you're really sad, but at the same time, like, you finally come to grips with it, which that Gene Smart scene is very, very, that's probably the highlight of the movie for me too, just in terms of how they're talking about it both sides of the table, Gene Smart's side of the table, as well as Brad Pitt's side of the table. 
but beyond that, there's just not a whole lot that I could really say like, oh yeah, I could see why Brad Pitt wanted to take this role. And I was like, I don't I know. I can say why because... I wanted to take it. I just don't think the movie's well. I mean, well like, I, it's like <laughs> it's not like he's like really on his way out per se, but it's it's one of those things where I just I I think that there's just I I I I don't know. This is kind of like where the ego come becomes inflated. It's like. Damien, did you think that this was like a, a cooler part than it was uh, or any of these parts, you know, as we're going to get through them? But I, now, I don't know. So let me it, defend Damien Chazelle a bit, even sure. though I've been dragging him for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think what I really appreciated about Brad Pitt's character is just that, like, the character, he's very much is Damien being like, these are the points that I want to make through this character but they were recognizable and they were entertaining. Cause like I'm thinking yes. of when that That's character fair. marries the Broadway actress. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like their conversations about like what acting is, what it means, what like that whole contrast I found really interesting because of how we've gotten to know these characters that we've been in and, and how Broadway very, I mean, lots of actors in Hollywood did work on Broadway, but like that around that time, just like the influence that that would have had or like the the differentiating between the two. And right. it, like, I found those conversations really interesting. And I was like, okay, Damien, like that is the stuff that was interesting me about Babylon was like, it's not just a portrait of excess. There's like real conversations and yeah. real juxtapositions of acting styles of, mediums of of what these things mean to people yeah. or to approach to careers and so i That's thought right. that stuff was really fascinating yeah I, I, when I guess, when, yeah when he has that conversation with Catherine Waterston, what it reminded me of is a conversation that happens in birdman with michael keaton and um i forget who the writer is um, but essentially you know how he's like you know we're, we're exposing ourselves here through art and what are you doing you're right behind you know, obviously this is like a, a different type of conversation, but yeah, I understand what Giselle is saying about like, hey, this form and medium here, like in the pictures versus like on Broadway, you know, we are, we're exposing ourselves to much, to such a, a large audience that like, you know, when it fall, when it, when we fall, it, we land harder. Um, and, you know, he's very, he's very, um, I don't know about it astute, but he's very like, correct that you know you if you play to a hundred thousand people that's like a huge success but to us that's a flop and i was like that's these are good stinging words and i get what you're saying here but you know ultimately i i don't know if it again the, the pit character in itself i liked the charisma but i just didn't think that there was um, really anything that i could really hold on to especially at the end there but aaron what were you gonna say i was gonna say my three favorite scenes with him is that scene with him and, and his one of his wives yeah. and um <laughs> the the um yes the scene with him and gene smart and then because I, I think it's the best at capturing like what chaos looks like and how to best manage it in this movie because you know these parties happen and sure they're wild but like they still feel like you know, we're still holding in a little bit where the one thing that i think it, the one thing where i think it really just captures how much chaos this is when it comes to these parties is when they're at when they, when it's during that snake scene when everything's happening around him and he's just standing there silently watching it, that's a mm -hmm. good scene. 
to me. That's like that's the that's that's like a pure cinema scene to me, as far as what Chazelle's trying to convey through the eyes of this guy who's like, I've masterminded this chaos basically, and I'm just going to observe it right now. I have nothing to yeah. do besides stand here. Yeah, like that 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 kind of stuff is what I wish this movie did more of. Sure, just yeah. had a better understanding of how to capture chaos. You have these, yeah, had those poignant moments with these characters that like meant something. And it just it just does feel like it comes up short in doing that more effectively on a free, more frequent level with the other characters. Right. Should we get to Margot Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> go back. Terrence? Go back to what you're gonna say about Robbie. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yours. Where, where was I? If I rewind in my brain, you were uh, saying that she's she's okay. She's fine. Yeah. And I don't. There's just something about her and the performance that felt too modern even though brad pitt is a very modern actor right there literally was never not a point in this time in this movie where i was like that where i wasn't like that's brad pitt on the screen right but she stands out i think in a way that i don't know if it helped the character It just like it just there was just a weird energy with her performance. And I I think that Damien realizes that she can Margot can do a lot of things. Got a lot of tools, you know, as an actress, can cry on cue, can make you laugh, can, you know, be uber dramatic, can snort tons of coke, can, <laughs> you know, can dance. She she is capable of doing all of these things on screen. And yet I just never like sunk in with her in this part. Mm -hmm. Here's my question. It was written for Emma Stone. Do you think that would have made a difference? I kind of think Emma would have done a better job. How about you, Aaron? Same question. I would agree. I yeah. that just seems more interesting as far as yeah, like the you, kinds like, of roles she's taken versus like something like this. Sure. Like say, let's put a if we put a black blunt bob on Emma Stone. <laughs> uh huh. The way that she looks, like you could buy buy that that was like a nineteen twenties yeah star. And I don't like I don't I just don't know like because like I said, Margot Robbie, she's not a bad actress and she does a lot of things on screen and i can see why she would love this part it just there's something about her in this character that wasn't vibing and i think also the movie doesn't really do that character any favors as she continues to be the thorn in the side for the lead right yeah but like in increasingly worse yes. ways yeah <laughs> and that's what I meant Which, earlier when I was like, I wish that you just ratchet it up if you wanted to ratchet it up. Uh, yeah. But. Like it drives some interesting comedy, but like th like the party where she's being like reintroduced. Yeah. Yeah. The end of that, I was kind of like, okay. And it, and it probably doesn't help that Marvel. I was hoping Robbie's there'd be also... a better punchline to that sequence, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it also doesn't help that she was also in Amsterdam, which is another period Very piece recent. movie yeah. that came out this year in which similar energy is coming off of the screen. And so 
I just had a heart. Like I, I believe the love story between those two characters. I think her and Diego Calva really conveyed that. Yeah. But just like, I just, I just didn't buy it. Yeah. Here's a, here's the thing. Here's, here's my point of view on it. And Aaron, I'd love to hear yours as well after, um, but Mark Robbie, Terrence, you've heard this phrase too, where, you know, sometimes like when other movies in other movies where children are playing these old timey, like 1980s or 1950s type of roles. And people will say that kid has the face of somebody who's seen an iPad before. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you, know, you know what I mean? You guys know exactly what I mean. Where it's I, like, that is a great expression. I've where, never heard that before. But that, like, that makes Margot sense. Margot Robbie is she looks very modern, but also she looks like a fucking star already. Like from the moment that you're on the screen here. And that's part of the that's part of like the goal of the movie is like, sure. you know, she's a star and we found her kind of yeah. like. But also there's like when you guys mentioned and Terrence, I remember that you you had a, a retweet, a quote retweet where you're just like, I think the movie would have been better with, you know, a certain actress kind of thing. Like, I do think that if you had somebody like an Emma Stone here who is more homely looking at first and then it's like, oh, then like it ratchets up to like this is where you are kind of things like that would have been a very interesting take on the character and the, the what you see on the screen here, because what happens in this character is. They clearly come from a very broken home. It's like it's very quick, but it's almost taken for a laugh that like she lives in like this really shithole house. Um, and same with Sydney's character too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where it's it's I I just was like this is where characterization matters, and we talked about Boogie Nights, but that Boogie Nights scene where he sit where his mom is sitting at his on his bed and uh-huh. then she starts ripping his posters down. You're just like I don't know I don't like this at all because this feels real. Like he, she's killing uh, Dirk Diggler's dreams. And like, he's like, I'm not stupid. And then he like, she tells him to get out. You know what I mean? It's also like, shot in like cold blue. It looks really dire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really also, yeah. It's very sad and it's very emotional. And you're just like, man, I can see why he would want to leave and like do other things and like, you know, become a star and what have you. And even like in X this year where it's like you have a, uh, 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 what's her face? Um, Man, I can't remember her name right now, but uh, Mia Goth. Mia Goth, yeah. Where Maxine. Like, you know, she's got like that that scene that's going around the internet where it's like, "I'm a star," um, and it's very good. But at, at you're thinking time, of Pearl. More Pearl. Pearl. Yeah. Bad, bad. Pearl. Um, but uh, I, I would say that for Margot Robbie, she's. It's not that she's not bringing her all. It's more just like it's weird because I've seen this, and also she's she plays a better like like debut entrance in the wolf of wall street which is sort of the same character of like here's this nobody with this jersey accent and here she is becoming a somebody but also kind of being like a thorn in your side you know what i mean so it's it's weird to see her play like a different version of herself but i again the, the thing that kind of took me out of it was just more of like you clearly are very good looking already like the joke with samara weaving would have been actually really interesting if samara weaving was the main character I'm just like, oh, I can see that. You know what I mean? So uh, that's kind of where I land on it. That is funny yeah. casting, by the way. Like, I like oh, I loved choice. it because yeah. having her who they, they very much look similar. Like, that's yeah. not, not on purpose. Margot so. Robbie got about four doppelgangers running around Hollywood right, right now. And so I loved that Samara Weavick was in, yeah. <laughs> in this. Do you have any thoughts on Margot Robbie's here to I don't have too much to expand on. I think you guys yeah. are covering it. Like, it's not... I mean, I, I do think it comes down to the writing as far as what we want this character to do. Um, and it's like, yes, if you want to drive comedy in scenes or drive a level of chaos, like the the work is there and it's effective. But like adding 
the the weight that's added to this doesn't do much for me beyond like okay i guess we're just moving this story forward but like i can't say that like yeah similar to pit like this before it's just it's not it's not something i'm looking at as like a highlight it's more like yeah it's there and it's effective enough but it's just not like the the main thing that's you know working there is something humorous about i mean you mentioned wolf of wall street like it's funny that she's basically playing the leo part this time around to some degree sure (laughs) yeah um but you know what i think is an interesting exercise for people Mm -hmm. and i think like it's sort of crystallizing my mind like everybody should just google 1920 starlets Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then reflect upon all of margot robbie's looks in this movie Hmm, interesting okay because now that i'm looking at these pictures of these white women (laughs) with one notable asian exception Uh um I don't the look might not be doing her any favors either. Interesting. Okay. Love that character. Cause I don't I don't I can she did not have this I don't know if she had a single scene where her makeup looked like any of these people, which is so weird in a movie that is so particular about how these characters look. Mm-hmm. Um in very great ways, I will say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I think Emma Stone in a black bob. I I do think she, I kind of think she would have done a better job. Yeah. I think she would have fit in a little better. Give her some glasses, and then she, all of a sudden she takes the glasses off. It becomes like a '90s rom com. Yeah, it's, it's you know. Great. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to just mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. As I say, there are aspects I want to cover about yeah. the film before we get to some other, you know, more general questions. Please, yeah, but I, but I, but before we get to that, I want just wanted to ask: Are there any other performances you wanted to highlight or spot? Or, yeah, exactly. I was um, gonna be like, you know, just in terms of like not moving into like people, uh, main characters. Uh, there's people that I just want to highlight, you know, one of them being Flea. I was like, this is a, a fun Flea performance. Even Flea's though he's a solid character actor. He's yeah, doing he's, a job. He's, he's been in the movies since forever. If you're like, what are you talking about? It's like, go watch Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. <laughs> he was the one of the studio execs. One of the studio people. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the studio people. And again, even that has like its own, like, oh, they're shady studio people. Or this is how mm-hmm. you got a job back in the day. Um, but then there Flea, Flea's maybe the only person that acknowledges that that Manny is Mexican. <laughs> like he's like yeah. the one person that seems to do it. And he he's the person that kind of keeps his head on his shoulders too. There's another character, uh, Max Mingella, who also plays another Hollywood exec. Yeah, he's, he's Irving Goldberg. The real life one. Yeah, the real life one. Yeah, exactly. And they show his card for a quick hot second. Um, and then uh, the other side character that I really liked was um, you guys mentioned it, but you know. Uh, He's also a member of the the notoriously named Pussy Posse, but it's um uh, Brad Pitt's agent. Um, uh, uh, what's his face himself? Oh, Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas himself. Yeah. Oh, I he's mean, like a producer. Yeah, he's, he's a producer. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I I just like that he's like getting himself into like weird predicaments, like putting his head in a toilet and getting stuck, um, kind of playing his own joke. But yeah, there's there's like really fun side characters. You guys already mentioned Toby McGuire, but how about you guys? Any side characters you guys want to uh, harp on? Toby. Real quick? What a weird, what a weird role! But he is so in the zone, like he just just comes. It just it shifts the movie entirely, which is what Damien wants, right? But like it, it it, to the point where I look forward to Damien Chazelle doing a horror movie. Like I think he could pull it off. That would be this is what he's bringing. (laughs) Like and get Toby back in it too, because that was just. <laughs> From the second you see him, you're like, oh god. With his eyes and his teeth. 
Oh, yeah, God. his eyes are all and the, sunken in. And the in. white, yeah. the, the, the makeup was, oh, my God. That was what? so off-putting. It was like, why are, you got, why are you putting on white makeup to go downstairs? It was, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. him. Um, I quite, I quite enjoy, like, because I really like that whole film set sequence that's, you know, like, after the title drops. Yeah, basically. I forget the guy like, who was, like, yelling on the set, the second oh, AD. Oh, the oh, AD. Yeah. Oh, 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 Spike Jones is the the German director. The German that's, director, yeah. That's that's that's, that's what I wanted to point out because yeah. I think he's great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that? What? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, Spike I Jones. Was like, that's Spike Jones. I, yeah. Spike, Spike Jones, who apparently is just known for popping up in Brad Pitt movies every now and again. Exactly, Money Ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like oh, Spike Jones is here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, easy. He pops up in Wolf of Wall Street. Like I. Like, give me all the 10 minute Spike Jones sequences you can give me because he's just really fun in these movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed him quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, just that whole that that whole set, just everybody in there, just it's the, like that, 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 that's it's, what I didn't know. It's the it's the best example of this film being like we have six main characters. Let's somehow incorporate all of them into one scene together. Mm-hmm. Like that's I think the sequence that does it the best. Sure, because uh, it makes them all feel like they matter to this even like why would cindy palmer and the band be there well they need music i guess like it just right. like it all somehow fits in the right kind of way that's actually well, yeah. obviously, obviously that's a great observation of like I think the, the, the culmination of all of it yeah it's 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 almost like that where i was like okay damien he clearly loves movies yeah and he loves he loves movies about making movies and he loves movies about art and the difficulty of making art i, w- I wish he would find some peace but (laughs) yeah you know at at least with that but like i i think that was great i think the the sound set even though i think it went on a little too long Mm -hmm. i i think it's effective i i i think it's effective in terms of like how can you convey what it would have been like to be in that position as a filmmaker. Sure. You know, and, yeah. and we've seen other movies do it, but like her first take and she is too far from the mic, but they can't move the mics because it'll take a half a day. Right. And that the, the director is also quite good too. Yeah. Other the, actors, you know, her getting Hamilton. to see, yeah. yeah, you know, that I, like I said, I, I do think it went on a little too long. Yeah. Especially because it's like, okay, we I clearly know what the climax of this is going to be. Sure, I, yeah. I like but... a good sweaty scene though, when everybody's sweating at the same time. It's a very sweaty yeah, but scene. Then, like, <laughs> like I also that... felt like it's a little too inside Hollywood sometimes too. Like Giselle loves to do that, where it's like, here's yeah. a, like, don't you guys always hate the sound guy? And it's like nobody here has made a movie except for you, David. Like, you know, I get it. He can hear yeah, pins in people's it, ankles. And but like at least in this, it felt very couched in like sure the technology of it. And I think yes. Um, I I I appreciated getting that view of like, and also I, I don't I don't think a lot of people know what go actually goes into making a movie, but like when you're on set, you do have to turn off. That's right. A lot, all of the machines that make noise. So like when you're when you're thinking about shooting, you know, your movies, it's like you can't have like the AC blasting and fans blasting to cool all of you actors down while the take is being had because it will be picked up by the microphones you know same thing with like refrigerators and stuff you know like the sound the sound is very complicated but it, and so i i liked i liked that and i liked how aggravated everybody was getting about different things yeah <laughs> um 
you know, which was m- very much in, in contrast to what else was going down at that studio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that those scenes are, and then the, you know, where Brad Pitt finally gets the line. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that, I thought those were, those are great. It's like, you can tell he really loves the history of making movies and what it means to make a movie. Mm-hmm. To, to ask something off of like that sound scene or what have you, like obviously there's, you know, there's drama in this movie, but it's also very much a comedy. Right. Terrence, since, since Allegedly, you, yes. Since you are <laughs> the least on this film, and Abe, I want to hear your thoughts too. Like, yeah. do you think it? Do you think the amount of comedy in this does it work? Or, or did you find yourself entertained by when it's clearly leaning into that that area? Um, I there are some things in this movie I found very very funny. Um, I like to go back to Toby for. Just even though I even though the dread was increasing the entire time sure. he was on the screen, I found everything about that darkly funny. Um I think that I think that what was tough for me is that like because he wanted to make a movie about excess, he also felt like he had to be excessive. And that dulled a little bit of the funny from you know, from from That's carrying fair. me I, through. Yeah, you know, I can see that. Like you, like you brought up Wolf of Wall Street, and I think Martin Scorsese had a really, really tough line to walk with that movie because he's making a movie about truly awful human beings, yeah, and he was exactly. like, "I want to make it funny," and he did. But like, like the snake scene and the chaos of it does not compare to Leo on Quaaludes. Agreed. Dragging himself. Like in that scene goes on for a long time. It does. You know? yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, the it's visual like gags. there's, but like the res- there's restraint in it. The camera isn't moving all over the place. That's right. 10,000 things aren't happening, you know? So it's, it, it's, it's sort of like him being excessive took something out of it for me, but the, there are, there are some very funny parts of, of this film. I'd also yeah. add that, you know, with Wolf of Wall Street, you know, when it gets serious with Kyle Chandler, friend of the show, it gets serious. You know what I mean? Like friend of the show. Yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, Grant Chandler is one of our original friends of the show. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Coach Taylor. Like um, Alexander Desplat, who's he's, Ian he's Aaron's a, real life friend. That's 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 <laughs> you, a guys whole have, you guys have a photo with him, right? That's a whole. No, we don't. We do. We, oh. And he got us. <laughs> Got we, no, no, we we notably don't have a photo with him. We didn't need one. We were just too good. <laughs> oh, of friends yes, that's true. Uh, we got we got <laughs> oh, one. With, right, right, yeah. We got one with his his fan Guillermo. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But as far as like the humor goes in this movie, I like the humor. It's totally fine. Uh, when it becomes sometimes it actually plays not funny because I think that this is something that, um, like. What I mean by this is, yes, I do like when there's humor in this movie and when it does hit, it hits. But when it doesn't hit, you're like, this is not hitting. Um, and that kind of just adds to what we were talking about with like weird, like tonal issues in this movie. So the drama is the drama. But uh, again, I've talked about that. Of just if you if you want to ratchet up the drama, ratchet up the drama, you know, like when Boogie Nights happens and he goes on a bender and he talks to Burt Reynolds in a way that gets him fired he really goes off the rails. Like his life is just off the rails. And then everybody, you see everybody else's life go off the rails to some degree. But um, here we are with just, let's come back to familiar territory and have like a calming situation. And then let's get on with the rest of this movie. And it's like, okay, well I guess that's a choice. Yeah. I think to your, to this is like, I look at, I look at Sydney in in two different places. It's like, Mm -hmm. I think the conversations that he's having with the trumpet dude that he is dragging for being flat is supposed to be funny. 
Yeah, but and it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's exactly. like he's never funny. It's annoying. It's, kinda, it's actually kind of condescending. Yeah. It is. But you. But what was funny was when he was at that party and that woman asked him that question. He was like, "Okay, it's my time to go." Yeah, yeah. That was funny, right? So it's like, and then that scene sort of devolves into the eating the food and throwing up on the floor, just craziness. Yeah. It's, but yeah, like the thing, the thing with his fellow bandmate, I was like, I, "This is supposed to be something." Because it keep because it's like it, we see it like three or four times. Yeah, they call back to so it. It's like, and it's the only character beats we get with him. Exactly. But it's like what like this just you just reminding us that he could be scolding. Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. What so I'm yeah, like the the physical comedy of this but, movie is like great. Yeah. Brad Pitt, yeah, falling off, off of roof, things. Brad Pitt yeah. being Brad Pitt. Yeah, but I also like the the other comedy scene, which I think is supposed to be funny, but it's actually just all flat. You guys just talked about it. It's the climax of that dinner or of that like little luncheon party. It's like, yeah, I don't. Think I think it, that this is supposed to be funny, but it actually just is too long for one, and it's not funny. And also, like Margot Robbie just can't really pull off being, uh, you know, we're supposed to be on her side, but also like we know that she's not, she's not like you know the cleanest person. Like she does drugs and she's kind of a mean person. Well, it's just degree. like the energy of it's all weird. It's weird. It's like, yeah. It, I there's a point that's very obviously being made, but it's like. There's no like I said. There's no punchline to this. It's just like, yeah. and then she did that thing. Well, she also <laughs> double. She they they double down on it. Exactly. A, yeah, they double down on IO, which is like and I was like, this is a little bit much. So again, that's not funny. But there are like subtle things that are funny, like you know Brad Pitt. You see in the trailer, he's actually not sleeping. He's knocked out. He is actually awake, and he starts running away from Manny. And that's funny. So anyway, uh, before I keep overlooking it, I will say the score in this movie is great. Uh, I do think Hurwitz. Hurwitz. And- Chazelle know what they're doing when it comes to the music uh, and, and mm. to create to create a, a you know certain running uh, themes that you know reappear over and over again and whatnot and do that in a way that I feel is effective and memorable like that's not nothing the fact that I can think about the score and know it you know right now uh, that yeah. I feel like that's that's worth noting but I do think the music in general while watching this movie does the job sure Aaron uh, talk about the box office <laughs> um this movie didn't make much <laughs> this movie <laughs> i'd love to hear this budget and what it made well the budget's around like 80 million okay um, not terrible yeah it's well it, it's high for a it, you know prestige drama like mm-hmm. this um i mean it's on the screen it is it certainly looks so. like a movie that cost if not more money exactly yeah. um, I with thought that, it was 100 million if that said like i i, I they because it was going to be like a Christmas Day release, limited, then like, you know, spread wide in January. Then instead, they like last minute seemed to like change it to the 23rd and go wide immediately. And I just wonder why that wasn't the way to do this. Like it's not. And so, yeah, it it wound up with what, like six million dollars total for its opening weekend. Wow. Which, Damn. Yeah, that's not low. great. Um, <laughs> and it's not like it's unexpected Ooh. as far as. Paramount's not looking at this being like, you know, our opening weekend is going to be, for one thing, Christmas weekends aren't normally huge when it comes to this kind of thing, with some exceptions. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's that's a disappointing figure, right. <laughs> to say the least. Like, it's not, that's 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 a lot of not people going to see a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, at this point in where we are in society when it comes to box office, like, you know, these kinds of big dramas... They're not pulling people to the theaters the way they used to. Sure. I think certainly not when it's, you know, 
fairly ambiguous as far as the story it wants to tell. Yes. What yeah. is this movie? It has Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Okay. I see those people in movies sometimes. I guess I might go. What's it about? Hollywood during the 20s? Okay. What is it? Sort like, of. Well, it's yes. sort of. As like, but extending beyond? Yeah. But it's also, it's R-rated and it's three hours. What? So I'm getting the babysitter so I can see this when I can go with my family and see Avatar. Like I don't know what. I, <laughs> why am I seeing this movie? Sure. Like what's the what's the draw here? Right. It it feels like it could be effective counter programming. Could be to an Avatar, right? If you're if you're an adult and you're gonna go see the three hour movie, come see the, the movie where. Marco Robbie is and everybody else in the cast is doing cocaine and it's wild and it's crazy. And there's an elephant shitting on somebody within the first five minutes <laughs> of this movie and people are throwing up and there's a lot of sex and drugs and in movie making. Right. Best butt camera of the elephant uh, <laughs> POV since... shot since since um, Tom Holland and Cherry when it comes. To I was wow. that, that shot, honestly. And I know why he put it in there. Oh, yeah. It's, um, clear. it's <laughs> aggravating. Yeah. Just because it's like. You're setting it set the movie up to let us know that things were going to get crazy, but it didn't set the movie up to succeed. <laughs> I hear. Um, I think that you know if we're going to look at what makes. I mean, I don't like this movie, but like, <laughs> like if I were thinking about just the per- average person in terms of how they were affected by the marketing and the reviews, it's like, yeah, you have this banger song in the trailer but you don't know much about the story and it appears to be about Hollywood and it's like craziness and switching. And I get why they were like, okay, we're going to do the limited and then go wide in January. Right. Cause they think this is going to bowl over the Academy, mm-hmm. which are very well might, but like you got a Hollywood excess in a genre of movie that we have already seen done very well, right? Like talkies, uh, silence the talkies. Mm-hmm. You gotta give the people. I think that they were like, they and Damien were like, let's sell the crazy, versus like the love story. Yeah, or like the meaningful yeah. conversation about movies. Yeah. Like, there is an important important in quotes with a capital I <laughs> important movie in here. Sure. And there's also a very ruckus crazy movie, but then there's also a meaningful love story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that particularly as the movie moves towards its, its ending, um, even though I was ready to leave the theater, <laughs> I, I still, I still found it compelling. I, I did. I still found that, compelling because i was like these two crazy kids have really decided to do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it's tough you know like if this movie were pg-13 you know like the the r is the r is the the tough part it's like r three hours wild and we're gonna hope that this justin Hurwitz song sticks in your brain and these stars will get you to come see this movie Hmm. so like it's a tough bout but yeah i think i think i definitely think more of the like love story and more of like the movie making what or like if you were to pitch this as like what was it really like to be there 
when the early movies were being made mm -hmm. is something I think you could people could glom onto. Um, I think you hit it there, which is what if you had made this about movie making? I think I would have been like, oh wow, yeah, like it was hard to do, like that we guys talked about with like that that heat scene uh, and the sound. Like, yeah. oh, it was it's pretty crazy, but also like you know, if you loved it, you loved it. So that would have been interesting. But I yeah. like I I don't disagree with you guys. I I but I I don't often feel like there's a failure in how things are marketed. That's not bringing people as far as like content wise, what the movie is. Well, um, like, yeah, look what they had. I I just <laughs> damn. I, <laughs> I, I just think it. I, I just it's think hard. It's, it's a, it, well, yeah, it's just a change in what people are like driving to cinemas for to begin with, and it's like I don't think they, I don't think there's an X factor here that necessarily brings somebody to a theater at this sure. time of year, given the options that are out there. Uh, I, I don't think that's a factor of whether or not the more the trailers were good for this movie. I just don't think the people were gonna you know see it to begin with. Uh, mm -hmm. unless there's you know unless there's some just magic trailer that i just not thinking of that's just like oh my god you can't miss this thing but i just don't think they're the ingredients of this film equaled mass audience approval right away to begin with yeah yeah i and maybe a platform release would have helped with that as far as built but then but you know i think they also saw what the buzz is going to be just given the divisive reaction from the critics that's why they probably moved it to just a wide release on the 23rd as opposed to yeah. doing a you know a, a more buzzy yeah, it, it's it's tough because it's like I don't love using one single move. Like it's clearly a trend, right? But like this this movie, like every every movie that does not hit at the box office in the current climate that we're in, like has particular reasons other than just like maybe the audience isn't seeing it you know like like this movie the runtime the actors the subject matter right like all of those things also contribute yeah you know other than so like i don't that's what I'm saying about. I mean, audience. like I, I said, mean, I think I about the audiences it's, as far as it's like bad, if, if it's, like, if it's Christmas time and you have a choice to see during a season that's generally geared towards a family, but even regardless of families, just like what am I paying to go to a big screen to see? Are you seeing this ambiguous 1920s set thing with Brad Pitt, or are you seeing fucking Avatar? Like what? Like I don't. Yeah. it's hard to. Well, like... and I think if you lean this, and this is you know. We'll always remember the girl with the dragon tattoo, the feel bad movie of the year. <laughs> that is something I could that that would get me out of you know if I'm like tired of my family yeah. and I want to go see a movie on the big screen right really good like, marketing yeah it also had good it had it had a hook as far as being this you know the new adaptation of a of a best selling novel series yes uh, it had it it had things to like grab you as far as like you know you yeah. have James Bond yeah. doing something wildly different in this R rated and movie. And covering. Yeah, that uh, cover song, song of uh, yeah of immigrant song, which I love. Um, yeah, it's it also it made money. It also it's ten it's twelve eleven years ago now, and it wow a different time when people would go to see multiple movies like that at the same time in the in the multiplex. Yeah, it's like I said, I do think this movie is bad. But I do not gloat in its box office failure. <laughs> well, that's a great um, segue into our our rating. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is when, that time. When should people see this movie? I'm waiting for Terrence to say never. 
Never is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you liked it a little bit. I, like there, there are things in this movie that I genuinely like. Yeah. You know, it it is it's a it's a two stars out of five, right? For me, it's probably going to be on Paramount Plus. Yeah, okay. it will be eventually, fairly soon. Okay, that's where you'd rate it. Yeah, I. I'm I'm not gloating as box office failures, but I might be contributing it to it by sick. I don't know <laughs> if I could recommend seeing this in a theater. Maybe I on mean, a matinee. No, Paramount Plus is perfectly okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, a dollar Tuesday wherever you live out there in the world as you listen to this? There you go. That'd be crazy. Yeah. But I on our old scale, this would be an HBO movie. Like you should just wait for it to just come out on like premium cable kind of thing. Damn. How about you, Aaron? I mean, I do think the movie's the one thing. It's it's as we just said, the budget's right there on everything's yeah. there on the screen. Yeah, I it, think it the is fact, on the screen. The fact that it's about this, you know, level of excess or what have you, and that Chazelle's doing it the way he's doing it. Like, I like the movie enough where I'd say, yeah, it's worth seeing on a screen. Perhaps not, yeah, racing out to the most premium of screens, but you know, if there's a matinee mm-hmm. showing, if there's dollar theater showing, that's you know, it it fits in that in that realm. Okay. Um. So yeah. All right. Well, we've Ooh. talked a lot. About Babylon, <laughs> um, which by right right at the end, Gary, there gave me a reminder that I have not heard what Abe thought about Avatar yet. Uh, but that'll be a different episode. That'll I'm be sure. another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what it is time for is uh, Abe. Actually, what what? Uh, Aaron, I think it's time what, for what, a, what, 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 what something time, what we haven't really done in a while. Here, a little think of games. Little known fact, that's actually the song that plays when Rory Scoville's character shows up with drugs in his pocket. Who would have thought that Rory Scoville would be like a major character, a, like a like a very important character in that movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, oh, he's not just here for like a scene. He's like important to the climax of this yeah. film. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a large third act. Yeah. Uh, I have a game for you guys this week. Okay. It is called Babylon, Babylon, Party Time, Excellence. Oh wow! This good, is a good, game going to require good singing because let me tell you something, <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> you're ready for it, and you're fully willing. I hear you, uh, but no, it's not. This is a game where I'm going to read the plot synopses of films featuring large parties, and you have mm. to guess what the film is that I'm referring to. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Yes. If you think you know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. Sounds good. Here's the first one. Codependent teens plan to score booze so they can become part of the in crowd, but separation anxiety and two bored police officers complicate <laughs> the pair's self-proclaimed mission. Abe. Abe? Super bad. Super bad is the correct answer. It was the I was gonna stop you again. before you finished reading. Feel free to stay. If you think yeah. you know it, stop but I me. thought okay. I thought there was a twist Sorry. coming. So I was like, let me wait. <laughs> It, it, that's also not a bad instinct. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. A group of rowdy teenagers in Austin, Texas, celebrate the last day of high school in 1976. Terrence? Terrence. Oh, shoot. Terrence is eastbound and down, say that. <laughs> Terrence? Now, now I don't know it. <laughs> I, I, this, is what, this is what I mean by American graffiti. In, incorrect. Abe, it's um, uh, it's that one movie where uh, Sean Penn's in it. People screaming at their. I know. I feel bad. Okay, Terrence. Terrence. Oh, Terrence thinks he knows it now. Okay, 
Fast Times at Ridgemont High? No, no, oh. none of this. Who? When, when did Fast Times take place in Texas in 1976? He, he said Sean Penn and that <laughs> threw know. me off. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I know he was wrong. <laughs> what is it? Dazed to Confuse. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So somehow I'm on the board. Um, <laughs> adding my name to the list here. Next question. A college dean has it in for a rowdy frat house and has put it on double secret probation. Terrence. Terrence. Neighbors. Incorrect. Uh, uh, can you repeat the clue? A college dean has it in for a rowdy frat house and has put it on double secret probation. A national anthem. Um, Animal House. I appreciate the full title, and yes, I, that's, that's the full title. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. A group of brokers make a huge fortune by defrauding wealthy investors out of millions and partake in various forms of hedonism while the SEC and the FBI close in. Terrence. Terrence. Wolf of Wall Street. That is correct. Okay. Good job, Terrence. I Good had party. to get one. A few <laughs> in that one. Here's the next one. Okay. Four best friends travel to New Orleans for the annual Essence Festival. Along the way, they rekindle their sisterhood and rediscover Terrence. their wild side. Terrence. Girls trip. Girls trip is the correct answer. Mm, I was going to guess diner, so good job, Terrence. Diner. <laughs> is the, remember, remember, when Kevin Bacon, my... remember when Kevin Bacon and Paul Reiser were on their way to the Essence Festival? <laughs> <laughs> diner? Yeah, you my know. 1970s, before you said six, I was like, oh, this is the last picture show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be closer than a lot than fast times. Um, all right. <laughs> next one. Two geeks design their ideal woman on a computer and a freak electrical accident brings her to life in the form of Lisa, who helps make Abe. them cooler and stand oh. up for their bullies. Abe? Weird science. Weird is correct. Yeah. Is correct answer. Here's the next one. When his uptight CEO sister threatens to shut down his branch, the branch manager throws an epic Christmas party in order to land a big client and save the day. But the party gets way out of hand. Terrence? Terrence. Office party? Mm? Want to modify that answer? You just need a seasonal no, no, holiday. <laughs> Terrence figured this out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie. so this is... I, don't, I don't know this movie either, but Aaron can include I... me in. <laughs> Abe? Christmas office, office Christmas party. Office Christmas party is. The I feel like answer. we should split that. I think so too. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Three point five. Two point five. Okay. Yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I've seen that movie. I completely forgot that, that was like the plot of the movie. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, I didn't know that. It was I just like was like, like, he was trying oh, to save the company. I was like, I, oh, yes, I, I forgot I... that Jennifer Aniston and T.J. Miller were brother and sister in that movie. No, that makes sense. No, no. That makes. They both have wavy hair. Ooh, the times were tough. Bills needed to be paid. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. A would-be writer moves in next door to a millionaire who pines after his lost love by throwing lavish parties. Terrence. Terrence. The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. That's oh, yeah. Here's the next one. After being grounded by his strict father, a well-meaning young man slash rapper sneaks out of his house and faces one calamity after another as he makes his way to his best friend's house who is throwing a big house Big party of the school year. Did you just give the, the answer Terrence? away? I didn't say anything. <laughs> Terrence? Terrence? House party? House party is the correct answer. 
And I was like, oh, wow. What are, that would really <laughs> Be honest. Would you get this without me fucking up right at the end? There? No. <laughs> would not have, no. God damn it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that would have been really funny if Aaron put in the answer into the clue. I didn't. I just I skipped ahead reading differently. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. The next one. The entire graduating class of 90 students, from football stars and cool kids to complete nerds, gather at a wealthy classmate's home for a party with one hoping to connect with the girl of his dreams. Terrence. Terrence. Party of five. Is that a movie? That's not a movie. And that's Uh, not an answer. (laughs) What? All these people go to a wealthy person's house, and then there's somebody that rekindles a love. Hmm. I didn't say rekindles. Or, I mean, somebody's trying to get with somebody. Terrence? Terrence, again. American Pie. Incorrect. Damn. Who's you're out. wealthy here? Focusing on the wrong things. Oh, am I? Okay. Uh, I'll read, read the, the one more time. Yeah, the entire more, more. graduating class of a... 90, oh, now I know what the title is. God damn it. <laughs> the entire graduating class of 90 students from football stars and cool kids to complete nerds gather at a wealthy classmate's house I said for, a, title for a party with one hoping to connect with the girl of his dreams. Uh, Abe, a goofy movie. Incorrect. Terrence, what is it? Can't hardly wait. It is can't hardly wait. I God. mean, a goofy movie what? is an appropriate answer to that, that question. There's I no meant... party in that movie. I they go to they go to uh can't hardly wait movie. when I said party of five. I don't know why I said that first. Jennifer that's, Love Hewitt. Yeah. That's that's what I I wasn't sure if you just didn't know it or you were just thinking like the wrong thing. No, it was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so clearly like doing the There's slow a lot walk of people that, like they it. Then, okay. that they then parodied <laughs> in not another teen movie, right? Like yeah, that's what I was thinking of not another teen movie, slow. but it, you know. I, I like I I'm not a big fan of Can't Hardly Wait, but it certainly has a lot of fans. So okay. it's it you know right. people like it, and that's the last time I believe uh, what's his name Charlie Corsbo was in a movie, um, and then he went off to be like what like a nuclear physicist or whatever. Oh, he's Oppenheimer's after based on him. That that kid you know that kid that was in like <laughs> that kid that's in Hook and What About Bob, and then this yeah. was like he was like an adult like a you know a teenager and he did yeah, that movie, yeah. and then he went on to have like a great career outside of movies. There you <laughs> like, go. Yeah, Steven Spielberg still backs him. I'm sure he does. He does. Probably sends him a Christmas card. That'd be nice. Just like he does with K. Hu Kwan. Three more. Two adult siblings decide to throw one last house party before their parents sell their family home. What? Abe. Abe. Stepbrothers? Incorrect. Mm. No party in that movie. Yeah. Can you read the clue again, please? Two adult siblings decide to throw one last house party before their parents sell their family home. I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> I don't know if this helps, but it came out the same day as Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> no, I, I the Force Awakens. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Neighbors two. That's oh, Terrence is still guessing. No, you can go. I the only thing coming to my mind are, are Laura Linney movies, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure out the two adult people part of it. Okay, well, the two adults in question are Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and the movie is called Sisters. Oh, I didn't yeah, see that movie. I would never. I was like Savages, but that's not Savages. Oliver um, Stone. Uh, next next one. one. The uh, the other Savages of Laura Linney. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has more gunfire. Uh, okay, uh, two more. After their <laughs> boss is killed, two salesman buddies decide not to let it spoil their vacation and pretend he's still alive, leading to various hijinks. Abe. Abe. 
Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's is the correct answer. Their boss is killed? Or they just died of like a heart attack? No, he's killed. He's murdered. What? <laughs> he is murdered. That is the that is the, the plot line of Weekend at Bernie's. He's I don't like, remember that at all. He's doing like shady stockbroker stuff and he gets murdered by a man. That's what happens. Oh. In that movie. He doesn't just die. Abe, Abe, your plot sounds ridiculous. Yeah, well, now, <laughs> now this one sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> well, there is one more left and you are both currently tied at 4.5. Oh, no. Terrence, I'm going to give you the, the go. Here's the last one. He's going to make this really hard. A comedian loads up a bus with residents of his Ohio hometown and takes them to a Brooklyn to Brooklyn for a concert. Terrence? Ohio. Terrence. Block party. That is mostly correct. Wanna oh, add my a, Lord. Want to add an aim on there? You're asking me or you're asking Terrence? Terrence, he's, he's on the board. Oh, Terrence, hey, you got this. <sighs> Whose block party is it? Chris Rock? Oh no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just know. I just think <laughs> you chose the wrong black comedian. <laughs> Who's the other one? Dave Chappelle. <laughs> it is Dave Chappelle. I don't know if I should count this. I, you I, should. I'll take, I'll should take the, the point five. I'll, I can win on a technicality. No, you're both at point five. It doesn't matter. You both have half a point. So <laughs> no, oh, you, you want the point. Oh, you want point five for saying block party. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But you didn't know whose block party it was. Is that when you when you think uh, of that movie and you think of the title? Do you think of the comedian or do I, you just think of I, the movie I, called Block Party? I, I, I am I am the wrong person to ask that question because Dave Chappelle's Block Party is one of my favorite documentaries, one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> so I, I mean... but I also think of the whole title though. I do think of Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Yeah. I well I don't watch Dave Chappelle stuff, so I, <laughs> I never would have. I still think Terry doesn't have a point there. I think he wins. We can we can end tied because I did not oh, get the answer. Yeah, you right. got block party, so I'll give it to you. I'll give yeah, you the win. There you, go. you, you snuck Thank by you. in the end, dear. You you you. Have to, it's a photo finish at the end. I'm of, sorry <laughs> that I did not Babylon watch. Babylon party time excellence. <laughs> Good game. Eric. It was it, it was a competitive game, and I do appreciate that. Yeah, that was very challenging. Yeah, I can't can't hardly wait in party. Like I just saw <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt walking in the room, and I was like, oh, clearly. This is the title, <laughs> but she did that in two different things. <laughs> right. Thank you for the game, Aaron. You're welcome. Let's move on. Now. Let's get to our last segment here. Some little out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook concerts have a podcast. We ask a number of questions as the listeners. And then actually, we got one question this week as well. Oh, first question right. here is what are some great movies about making movies? Friends show Adam Gentry has The Bad and the Beautiful. Scott writes Shadow of the Vampire, Ed Wood, and Singing in the Rain. Mark, Hoff- Mark Hoffmeyer, also friend of the show, writes Bowfinger. Chris writes Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tammy Klein writes Ed Wood, Chaplin. Christopher Hill writes Millennium Actress, Hollywood Shuffle, White Hunter, Blackheart, Hitchcock, All That Jazz. And lastly, Philip Hurd writes Millennium Actress and One Cut of the Dead. How about you guys? Movies about making movies. Is Millennium Actress an anime? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. I apologize. Um, (laughs) Movies about making movies. Mm -hmm. These are good answers, by the way. I like all these answers. Yeah. Yeah. Hitchcock, that that threw me because I I, you want to talk about completely forgetting about a movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a movie. It is an anime, Millennium Actress, by the way. There you Uh, go. Yeah. What is is the player? Is that the player? Yeah, it's Robert Altman. Yeah. That's that's a movie about movies. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a favorite of the show, Santa Rambo, uh, and then also uh, Tropic Thunder. 
There you go. Uh, yeah. The artist. Yeah. What's the what's the only uh line of dialogue in that movie? Like that's a rap or something? Thank, no, it's, it's like they, my it's, pleasure. No, no, no. It's thank you very much. That is not the line. <laughs> it is. It's, thank you very much. <laughs> Why does it sound like Bella Lugosi, like eight year old Bella Lugosi? Because he's it? French. <laughs> he doesn't have, he has an accent. But I he thought that John Candy had a line at the end there. Or John Candy. What am John I Goodman. John Goodman. Yeah. That is not the line. The there. It's with pleasure. Is the line. Good memory, Terrence. You would have won that game. Thank you, Google Isha. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, next question we have here. Um, what are some great films about people aging out of their profession? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes Lethal Weapon. Hmm. Christine has George Clooney in Up in the Air and Robert Redford in Spy Game and Sam Elliott in 1883. Oh, the show, I guess. Uh, yeah. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, has The Last Jedi. Uh, Christopher has All About <laughs> Eve, Hooper, <laughs> North Dallas 40, Second Act, and The Intern. Oh. If anything, he ages into his profession. At the, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Scott has Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Robert James, friend of the show, has The Godfather. Chris has Logan. Hmm. Philip has Unforgiven. And Justin has Red. All good answers. Interesting. People aging out of their profession. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Kill Maverick. You know, he's not really... He should be an admiral by now, right? I, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'll allow it. Unforgiven is actually a really good answer. That's one that, that kind of came to mind uh, as well. I'm like scrolling through my letterbox great movies list to try. <laughs> Aging out of the profession. This is actually really hard. Men in Black. Choice... Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. He didn't hire a partner. He hired a replacement. Weird twist of that movie. It's like, wait, so who are you going to get to replace the other guy? <laughs> The woman who's been that wasn't their plan. They weren't like yeah, we should also get like, the, in the here. woman who's been thingy majig sixteen thousand times. <laughs> I also like uh, like in the other movie, Will Smith's like I have a nice suit now and new glasses. And then in Black yeah. Two happens like I got rid of those things. I did the standard. Well, thing. you know, <laughs> like, he makes the shit look good as as if like as as if Zed was like get the get that shitty glasses off your face, put the regular ones back on. <laughs> Uh, Terrence, if you think of something, feel free to just name it randomly. And we'll, uh, no country for old men. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Speaking of Tommy Lee. Yeah. Um, I mean, great monologue at the end there. Uh, there the next question here. What are some films featuring wild parties? This is almost like Aaron's game for us. Talu now has 16 Candles, Animal House, and Weird Science. Todd, Weird. I have to dock you for uh, not giving it Natural Lampoon's Animal House. <laughs> uh, Christopher Hill writes, Ghoulies. Party Animal, Breakfast at Tiffany's, House Party, Anchorman Colon, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, Trading Places, <laughs> and It's a Wonderful Life. Chris writes Old School, Project X, and Peter Sellers, The Party. How about you guys? Movies featuring wild parties. Project X, boy, that's a movie I'd like to forget. That's I thought you were going to throw Project X into the game in, that we played. Game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had the option to, but I was like, well, I want to put movies I like more. That you enjoy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't I don't blame you because yeah. I barely remember what happened to Project X. Yeah. Um, it has Miles Teller as like a baseball player, I believe, oof. in that movie. And it's got like that Asian guy who does like the robot. 
Well, speaking of baseball, is that that movie or is that Twenty One and Over? Another bad movie. Oh, that might be Twenty One and Over. That's desired. No, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants some. Would be my. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah some really that's interesting that, parties uh, going on in there. You couldn't yeah. think of Days of Confused between Everybody Wants Some. <laughs> I'm looking at the list right now. Um. <laughs> uh, the Matrix Rev- reloaded, yeah, where they're just like partying inside, and you're like, What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> but I guess they're free to be free, it's yeah, clear that they're having a party, <laughs> they're happy to be free, exactly. What about you, Aaron? Uh, I mean, Reloaded's a good example now that I think about it. I mean, that's a good point. Um, like my mind goes to like house party with just kid and play dancing in it, but um, a, I mean, they're they're gonna make the, make the remake. Or they've written another remake. Do you want some out-of-the-box choices? Sure. Amadeus? Yes. That's a good one. The Leopard? That leads to, like, the favorite as well. Yeah. The Leopard. You know, a very very famous party in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those would be (laughs) my out-of-the-box choices. Amadeus is a great answer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Is Is there a huge party in Barry Lyndon? Well, there's gatherings. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say there's parties in Barry okay. Lyndon, but there's certainly. There's now no... I'm just trying to think of like old school. What about like uh, the um, Marie Antoinette with uh, Kirsten Dunst? Is there like a party in that? Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are okay. parties in that. So there you go. Trying to think of like horror movies with parties in them. Um. Well, there's a dinner. Well, there's party. like there's like there's like. Massacre. Yeah, and there's like Scream when they have like you know big parties at the house and everything. I'll be right back. There's like slasher, I guess that has like prom night. Obviously, it's prom. Well, Uh, Terror Train, the Hellraiser from this year. Yeah, that Hellraiser had a party. It did have a bad, a wild party. (laughs) And that guy's like, "Let me not be in that party. Let me go to this like secluded room instead and play with this thing." That that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question: Uh, What are some great films about newcomers trying to make it in Hollywood? Philip has La La Land. And Justin has not technically Hollywood, but Boogie Nights. That's the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not Close. a movie, but it's the episode in Thirty Rock where that girl comes to town. And she's like, "I'm in New York," and then later in the episode, she's already like, you know, um, like a street worker. Pretty sad. Okay. Aaron's movies what? about people making it in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Try, newcomers trying to make it in Hollywood. Bill Figger comes to mind. It's a good one. <laughs> As many movies as are made about making movies, why is nothing coming to mind? I know. I was like, this silence is actually like us all thinking really hard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If you Literally nothing is coming to mind. <laughs> I think of something, just feel free to shout it out. Uh, next question here. What are some great films focused on the roaring 20s? Philip has, I wouldn't call it great, but I did enjoy Midnight in Paris. How dare you, Philip? That's a great movie. Uh, Justin very Weathery, good. Yeah. Justin Weatherby writes The Great Gatsby, 1974. And the artist, uh, Philip, I'm just joking. Uh, some great films focus on the roaring 20s. How about you guys? You guys mentioned, um, you know, Gatsby, both versions. I'm, I'm guessing you guys are thinking of both versions in the game. Um, I do I do not like the great Gatsby movie adaptations. Oh, I, okay. I prefer the Lerman one because the 70s one of Redford is boring. But, um... It's very boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, other movies set in the twenties. Um, the artists come up already. Yeah, yeah it did. Is, yeah. is singing in the rain in the thirties? It's well because it's the same. It's more the thirties, but it's certainly that trans. You know that transfer period. Mm-hmm. Um, some like it hot. That's the twenties. Who 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 wants it hot? Who likes it hot? Some. 
well, who's this some? <laughs> uh, more more Tony Curtis than Jack Lemmon. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for this question. Good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Bullets over Broadway. Yes, that's twenty foot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Still, weird. I'm like, oh, there are newcomer movies. Like I know, <laughs> I like, could not think of these. Like, it seems it's... like a... yeah. <laughs> Who just shows up on a bus in Hollywood? There's like, movies like movie. that that happen. There's movies like, like that, but not yeah. like I the main one. I think of honestly, it's honestly, it's it, it is Bowfinger. I can just think of like Heather Graham going off the bus and like the other right. like actors trying to do stuff and whatnot. Like, but there's other movies where it's like newcomer comes in, right. tries to be a big star. Who knows? Yeah, like one that we mentioned. We'll have to write an essay on this. All right, last question we have here: What are some memorable supporting performances where familiar stars play way against type? It's a reference mm. to Tobey Maguire's character in Babylon. Philip writes, perhaps Alan Rickman in Sense and Sensibility. Oh. Hmm. Some memorable supporting performances that are way against type. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is a great question. I recently watched The Nice Guys again. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, Matt Balmer coming in and playing like the Terminator that just yeah, keeps throwing me up every right. single time. I forgot about that. <laughs> he, just, he, he does plays, like, like kill everybody, yeah. especially like... when he runs into homegirl on the street. <laughs> yeah, he just murders her. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh my god. <laughs> he was like, "What? Just my luck." Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I completely forgot that that was the end of her character too. Like I hadn't seen it in a while. I was like, "Oh yeah, she yeah. Just, she just dies." That's like, right. That's, yeah. the of, that's the end of her character in this mm-hmm. movie. It's pretty sad. Hmm. Supporting characters that play way against type. Huh, that's a great question. I kind of want to answer with at least one. I have. I don't like Tom Cruise hopping up a Tropic Thunder. I mean, that that's, is, that's great. a great answer. Yeah. It's like Les Grossman. Yes. But I'm just more gross, man. It's the <laughs> against type bit that's throwing me off here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a movie where like, oh, wow, I didn't know this guy had this in him. And then you're just like, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, again, Tom Cruise, good call out there. I'm also trying to think like this, like weird, like dramatic role where they go turn into like a weird psycho killer or something. But I don't know. Stephen Yun in Burning is what is coming to mind, but I don't know if that's against type. It's also it, like, it kind of the, is. It's yeah. also like, he's also a co lead in that movie. I'm trying to think of like now. Let's not, just let's not argue about about that <laughs> because I do think that he's supporting even though. He, <laughs> I'm not submitting him for an Oscar. I just mean like, you know, Tobey <laughs> Maguire's in that movie for ten minutes. Like, I'm trying to think, like, where do like yes, support roles okay. where Owen, like drops in? It's like, by the way, here I am. Look at me, yeah. I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, this is something that Aaron and I talk about from time to time. But in, in Smoke and Aces, Chris Pine he plays like one of those brother <laughs> yeah. killers. Uh huh. It's just like this is a weird Chris Pine performance because this is before he became like a really uh, notable, really good looking Hollywood guy. And it's like, yeah, I guess you could. He's like this weird like Southern hick guy who just. You know, get shot up on the rooftop, but yeah, Chris Pine, smoking aces. This is a really good question. That's a good question. I mean, even like the, the newcomer coming to Hollywood one is still bothering me. Uh, well, as we think about that, there's a question here that Chris asks everybody here today. What does Professor Dent get for a Christmas treat? And Professor Dent, if listeners are not familiar, is Aaron's tarantula. Yeah, that so that's a question for me. <laughs> yes, yeah. not, not for all of us. <laughs> yeah, because my answer is nothing. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I, I didn't get that annual box review for Professor Dead this year. Yeah. Um, um, 
Elijah Wood in Sin City. That's against type. Um, uh, what else here? <laughs> I thought you were gonna oh, say that's, that's what you beat your one. Professor Dent. I'm like, yeah, that's Elijah, a good one. That's Elijah good. Wood, yeah, he's he's good in there. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> I got him a, a little Santa hat, obviously. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and uh, he you know he he wears it kind of, um, and uh, some uh, some uh, peppermint crickets. So peppermint go. crickets. Peppermint crickets. Very yeah. festive. Very okay. Yeah. He's got good breath now. Yeah, that's that's, that's what it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's enough of that. Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> that's that's been our out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write for Why So Blue, uh, where you can find my top ten picks for 4K and Blu-ray releases this year. Uh, that's up there now. I also write for We Have Entertainment for movie reviews, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff on my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Moose. Hashtag, you mean a large horse, right? There it's Johnson. We're going to be able to find more of you online. Uh, you can find my work at Lenoirautour.net, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. And I'm on Twitter, while it still exists, <laughs> at Terrence B. Johnson. <laughs> You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Or write our physical office to come us on a podcast. Or tweet us at twitter.com slash Anna underscore podcast, as what Terrence mentioned, uh, as long as it's still around. And we are on Instagram, which will remain around, it seems, for like the near future. And mm-hmm. Instagram.com slash Outnow <laughs> underscore podcast as well. Aaron, you know what? I'm glad we didn't open up that meta account. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that is going to do it for this week's episode next week um i imagine it'll be some sort of hodgepodge where we go over some other recent films we haven't quite talked Mm -hmm. about too much yet and get abe's thoughts on avatar of course um but uh yeah that's going to do it for this week's episode terrence thank you again for joining us thank you terrence yeah thank you for letting me bully you into having me on this podcast <laughs> it's always great to have you on what are you talking about it is always a pleasure to have you on yeah, thank you that is going to be it for this week's episode so until next time so long and goodbye, goodbye.